Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a wholly remarkable book. Perhaps the most remarkable, certainly the most successful book ever to come out of the great publishing corporations of Ursa Minor. More popular than the Celestial Home Care Omnibus, better selling than 53 More Things to Do in Zero Gravity, and more controversial than Ulon Kalufid's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, Where God Went Wrong, Some More of God's Greatest Mistakes, and who is this God person anyway? It's already supplanted the Encyclopedia Galactica as the standard repository of all knowledge and wisdom for two important reasons. First, it's slightly cheaper. And second, it has the words, Don't Panic, printed in large, friendly letters on its cover. everyone today. It's, uh, and by everybody, I mean Sarah, who had to sit here for another hour today and listen to Tim and I cackle like schoolgirls over the sound of a guy vomiting onto a hardwood floor. People are writing me and asking about that. I'm like, yeah, I got to listen to them laugh about it for four hours yesterday and another one today. And then the best part is there was sort of a thing inside of a thing, whereas we're sort of preparing for the show today. The recap is playing in the background. So if you were in the studio, by which I mean if you were Sarah, you got, and by, by, by God I mean we're forced to... You got to listen to the vomit sound from yesterday with Tim and I yesterday laughing on it, being played back on the recap today, and then Tim and I actually in the studio today laughing at ourselves, laughing at the vomit. It's like some sort of weird laughter slash vomitorium slash reverberation chamber. Anyway, it's going to be a great day, I can just tell. All right, it's uh, 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and dust-filled studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. Uh, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Draw near and bring the children that ye all might drink deeply from the cup of laughter. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you all for coming along. <laughs> um, in any event, I'm sorry, I'll keep it together. It's 503-733-2970. For your questions, comments, clarifications, conventions, two cents, uh, additions to the uh, excursion into comedy, whatever it is you might have today, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, and somewhere in between. If you'd like to email, you can do that as well. It's rick at... RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, All right. Uh, big show today. So we have... So coming up, uh, first off, uh, in terms of news, so we'll have Dick Uliano, who's going to join us later on the day, around 1135. We'll be talking to Dick Uliano, who will be covering, I guess, the Montana and South Dakota primaries, which... Is this, now they're saying based on exit polls or something, Tim, that they already think that Obama's got? Well, based on the AP delegate tally, this is not exit polls. I want something else. Now, NBC is showing something else here. 
Now, AP is claiming he has clinched it. Uh, and NBC News is maintaining its own tally, which uh, stands at Obama being 29 delegates short of the 2,118 needed. Now, the AP tally is based on public commitments from delegates as well as more than a dozen private commitments. So apparently they say they have some inside information that NBC does not have. So depending on who you believe, Obama is either within striking distance or he is. He's got it. One of the two. And usually the AP won't go on a limb unless... Well, especially because they got so badly rogered in the 2000 election. I think the AP... Here's the the thing that sucks about being the AP is I think up until the 2000 election, the AP was really, really careful to never, ever use the exit polling, to never sort of speculate, to never have hypotheses about these things. The AP, the Associated Press, which, you know, for, for I would say the bulk of the 20th century was the world's premier news gathering organization. They would really hold off until they absolutely had something in stone, locked in and verified. And then I think in the 2000 election, of all elections, uh, they decided just to come on to, no, no, Al Gore's got it. And they just came right out and they said that, and then, of course, that was the year that everything just turned into a big debacle. So they immediately retreated back into not saying it unless it's absolutely confirmed. So the AP, I guess, is saying that Barack Obama has the nomination. NBC saying, not quite, but almost. And anyway, uh, so we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent Dick Uliano coming out today about the Montana and South Dakota uh, primaries, which, regardless of how it turns out, are the, are the, the last primaries. In the Democratic nomination process. So uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop uh, from Los Angeles. More follow up on that uh, fire that happened to Universal Studios uh, over the weekend. CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will also join us uh, later on in the day, 2 o'clock, uh, about by which point it may actually be decided because by 2, we're going to talk to her at 210, by which time it's. Uh, is South Dakota Eastern? Where the hell is South Dakota anyway? Is South Dakota a coastal state? No, it's South, is, like South in the South middle South of the country the somewhere. It's in the so is it mountain yeah. time zone? I would imagine so. Yeah. Well, in any event, so it's going to be like three or four by the time we talk to her. So they just based upon the exit polling, they may already kind of have it resolved one way or the other. It's all very confusing. All right. Um, so Dick Juliano, Jim Roop, and uh, Lisa Desjardins will all be uh, joining us today. Cena radio correspondent, um, or I'm sorry, Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin will be here today as well. Uh, we'll talk about uh, this swing town or swing kids or swing or whatever the, the, the show is that he was just excoriating yesterday in the paper. Uh, he and Sarah will do sort of a better late than never lost recap. I know. I finally watched it yesterday. Did it hold up? Are you glad you watched it? It was so good. I, I, I have no words to how good it was. It was right. so good. And sad. I cried. Did you really cry? I, really, I, I teared up. I didn't, like, full on, like, oh, but I did. There were a couple parts in it where I did I did tear up. All right. So we'll talk about uh, so we'll talk about Lost later on uh, with Peter Carlin. Let's see. Uh, what else is coming up? Uh, we will also be speaking with uh, Dale Robinson of G4's Hurl. He will be joining us today. So this is this of course all goes back to and of course I'm not armed with the vomit sound. That's the irony. We just played it for an hour and a half. I don't know if the, there we go. Uh, so we'll be so we'll be really. Talking. You know you've become everything you make fun of, right? How do you mean? I mean playing all those silly I have never, vomit sounders. You know what? I have never. I've not become everything. I have always been that. There's never been a time but when I didn't find you vomit you funny. You like that. When? Are we having a relationship talk right now? I guess so. You become I, a vomitolic. You know what? Uh, I thought we were going to leave that in the past. I already listened to that for an hour today. <laughs> By the past, you mean yesterday? Yes. 
Yes, because Lord knows we've never taken anything in the past and driven it into the ground repeatedly. That's I guess n- I just don't find that vomit as <laughs> funny. Well, you don't. You don't. But, of course, given but given today's two out of three rule, Sarah, unfortunately, it's just going to have to be the way. Can we do an Insta poll? It's going to have to be the way it goes. What I wouldn't, what I wouldn't ever want to do, Sarah, is take anything that we found funny once and keep playing it over and over again. Because I know you never like that. All right, so... The... I'm sorry. You know what? That music is beautiful. That's one thing with the vomiting. Are you telling me this... It's just it's, it's beauty in its own way. You're getting defensive about the vomiting. I'm not getting defensive. Defensive or not, it's going to keep being played. I understand. So I have no reason to be defensive about it. Do your thing. Um, so, so Richie went ahead and, and tracked down this guy, Dale Robinson, from G4. So they have this whole television program, which is just called... I've got the press release in front of me. I mean, you wouldn't even think it was a real... It's here on G4 Letterhead. G4 announces unique new series that combines eating competitions with gut-wrenching physical challenges. New series entitled... Hurl debuts summer 2008 on G4. So it's sort of unclear like what the actual launch date of this is. Let's see. Apparently, they're targeting it at the 18 to 34-year-old male demographic, though. Uh, so we will talk to uh, so we'll talk to Dale Robinson from G4 later on today. Also, because Code Monkey Season Two uh, just started, uh, so we'll do that. What else coming up today? Top five uh, today's top five songs that almost became the opening theme for the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, so we'll do that later on today. Top five songs that almost became the opening theme for the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, mailman Chris will join us. Uh, a couple hours from now to talk about uh, Lego Indiana Jones, which actually comes out of, uh, today in stores. But I think due to some sort of inventory glitch, he was able to get it three days early. I think he went into some, to a blockbuster, to a Hollywood video or something, and they had the Lego Indiana Jones game that was already sort of set out. And it was a mistake because I don't think it was supposed to. I think it's. I think you're not supposed to be able to sell that until Tuesdays. But he was able to pick it up three days early. Uh, so we'll have the Lego Indiana Jones review. Um, and your phone calls, a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm that. Oh, and that. Have, has everybody heard this spelling bee kid? Yes. You see the audio or the video rather of the kid of the national spelling bee? Yes. All right. So we'll play that. I guess that happened Friday. And I was at a bar of all places on Friday night where the spelling bee was at my father's place where the spelling bee was playing in the background. And it was sort of turned down, so I didn't really get to hear the audio. Uh, but I came in yesterday, and everybody was sort of talking to me about it. So we'll, we'll pull that, and we'll play that later on. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. So according to an AP delegate tally, Barack Obama clinches the Democratic nomination. NBC says he's not quite there yet. Hillary's people deny she'll concede tonight. We'll see about that. Ted Kennedy is up and walking around the hospital, looking forward to returning to Cape Cod. Dick Cheney actually tells a joke and smiles. Courtney Love can't find Kurt Cobain's ashes that were in her closet. A goat is caught riding aboard a trident Wait, bus. what do you mean she can't find Kurt Cobain's ashes that were in her closet? They were being stored in a bag in her closet. She can no longer find them. Do you suppose they were being stored right next to many other things that Courtney Love might keep in baggies in her closet? <laughs> All right, just a theory. All right. A goat is caught aboard a TriMet bus without a ticket. A Vancouver man is caught masturbating at the Aloha Big Lot store. <laughs> a Vancouver girl is injured after lighting an M80 that explodes in her hands. The Rose Festival ships arrive Thursday and Friday. And we'll go over those brand new rules banning duct tape to claim your view for the Grand Floral Parade this weekend. Excellent. Fantastic. 
All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Join the day as always by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm not defensive. You're defensive. <laughs> you are defensive. Somebody wants us to play. I'm really not. I just, I wish, here's the thing about the Vonicle. I, I just I wish, wish you could come along with I us. I know, I wish we're on the same page. Cause we're on the same page for like 90% of things. You know how much I wish it, too? How, much I, how many times I've heard it and how much I wish that I was loving it as much as you and Tim were? See, but maybe it'll become funny to you. Oh, God. Somebody's suggesting that we play. I don't think I can do this, though, with, with, with the, the music. Yeah, somebody's, see, see, you say you're not one of us, and there you've already jumped in. No, the music makes everything funny. So if we were able to play the, along with the. Yes, <laughs> then that would be funny to me. Okay, um, what if I send you, well, I send can't. Me the, can you send me the music? I can't send you the raw clip, though. Uh, of the uh, of, of of the you know the whole video of the guy vomiting because it's it's not clean I have to clean it up for the air. Okay. What if I send you the music? Yeah. Or I could probably. Can you see the V drive from where you are? I don't have any drives on my computer. All right. I'll have to figure out a way to do this then. I'll have to get you a copy of the music, and then, uh, or I can send you a copy of the vomit. However you want to do that. I'll send you one, and then you can play one while I play. This is really a long way to go for a joke. I no, I said the I and the Q. All right. Well, I'll have to send it to you or something during okay. the break. All oh, right. wait. Yeah, but so I watched Lost last night, and it was really, really good. It took forever because I did, you know, watch it off of some, you know, something on the Internet that so took forever to buffer, but it was it was amazing. And I'm so bummed because I was putting it off because I didn't want to wait 10 months to see the next one. But now I have to. All right. Now, is it, has it answered all the questions you needed it to answer, It has answered Sarah? nothing. Of it course. Is, and, and the last scene... Because there's this last scene, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's the last scene where there's like a person in a coffin. Did not see that coming. You know, we have to figure out some sort of a way to handle all the spoilers on this program because it's. I, because we can't not talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, we're never. Yeah. It, it never. I have never really figured out what we're allowed to talk about and what we're not. Uh, because. You know, I was talking about The Wire at one point, which had already been off the air for, you know, for several weeks. This, I was talking about things from season two and season three of The Wire that people would sort of yell up, uh, call up and yell at me for spoiling. And yet we're going to talk about Lost, which means we have to sort of, I don't know, we'll have to figure out some sort of... Well, well Peter's going to be on, so we're going to have to talk about it. I suppose. We'll have to get some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, sounder warning system or like a, like, you know, like a, a spoiler alert. Uh, that we'll have to uh, that we'll play before this. Um, all right. Other, uh, let's see. Other uh, brief observations today. Today, one random caller. This is very exciting. Today, one random caller will win the Muppet Show, the entire season, uh, the entire third season, a four DVD set, the Muppet Show season three in its entirety. The Muppet Show, the complete third season. Uh, let's see, with 24 irreverent and witty episodes of The Muppet Show, the complete third season, available on DVD now from Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment. Available on DVD for the first time, the complete third season of the Emmy Award-winning comedy series The Muppet Show comes in a special four-disc set with new behind-the-scenes bonus features and rare original skits every fan must own. So today, Richie Bristol, one random caller, wins The Muppet Show, the entire third season, uh, on DVD. Uh, this is, by the way, for those who are uh, Muppet Show uh, enthusiasts, so this is the season that has Raquel Welch, Liberace, Sylvester Stallone, Alice Cooper... And there's somebody else, Danny Kay. Also That's so here. rad. Yeah. So uh, we've got a couple of those upstairs. So we'll be giving a uh, those. You mean we only have one of them upstairs? Gilda Radner uh, and Cheryl Ladd. So there you go. The one random caller today wins a copy of The Muppet Show, the entire third season, uh, on DVD. So my wife went to see the Sex in the City movie last night. And here's the thing, because we were able to get the hookup here from CBS, because CBS tossed us a pair of, uh, you know, a couple pair of passes to it. So I was able to give those to my wife. So it was, here's, it was multiple levels of grades. Oh, did she go to see it last night? She went to see it last night, and I was able to, 
A, to get out of seeing it, because, of course, by providing her the passes to see it, that sort of was my, you know, like my get-out-of-jail-free card. So I called her up and I said, hey, what are you doing tonight? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, hey, how'd you like to go see Sex in the City? Because I've obtained you a pair of passes. And the great thing is, like the golden glow that comes from me providing her the passes, that puts me sufficiently, like, I look like such a great guy by getting her a pair of passes to Sex in the City that I then don't have to go. Uh, so she was so happy with me that she then didn't expect me to accompany her. And so I went by and I dropped off the Sex in the City passes at her work, which of course makes her, which makes me look even better because then she gets to like show off the husband that gets her Sex in the City passes. Mm. So not only am I not only am I opposed to the am I not opposed to the movie, but I actually have a pair of tickets for her. So I go by her office and she gets to say like, look at my wonderful husband who's bringing me a pair of passes to Sex in the City. So I get to look like a good guy. And then it's because it's like the best of all worlds. I get to look like a good guy to her and to everybody she works with. Uh, and then I don't have to go to the film. So she goes to see Sex in the City, and I went home and watched The Godfather did 3. Did she like it? And everybody, everything worked out fine. Um, she did, although she had the same complaint that you had about the ending, mm-hmm. that she felt like the ending sort of taught everybody the wrong lesson. That's exactly my thoughts. She yeah. felt like the ending was unsatisfying, and that, and that it just sort of came out of the blue, that, they, that the filmmakers got to the final 15 minutes of the movie and realized that they, they had to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And so that they just sort of... Well, because they're used to making episodes, not movies. Right. And so, like, yeah, they had to, like, oh, crap, we have to end the episode instead of, like, continuing it on for, like, five more seasons. And so she felt like they got to the to the final the final sequence of the Sex and the City movie and just sort of were like, oh, we have to make everything work just to... I don't know. have have you know and then the, the, you know the, you know the big the big event that happens at the end mm-hmm. have it come out of nowhere nobody will care her other big complaint and I haven't seen the movie but her other big complaint is that I guess for the bulk of the Sex in the City film Kim Cattrall's character is I don't know she's all she's all hot for some guy in her building or some guy she knows uh, and so she's torn between the guy that she ought to be with and the guy that she wants to have sex with. And so Lara's big complaint was at the end, there was no payoff. You never get to see her, like, hump the guy. Uh, that, I was bummed out about that, too, actually. Yeah. Because that's had, what you want. And that guy was so that was, hot. That was her big thing. And she's like, the guy's so hot. And the whole movie, you just want to see him get it on with Tim Cattrall. And then you never get to. <laughs> so she felt like it was a big tease uh, so for funny. all the women that's in the exactly audience. exactly what I thought. Because it did seem unfinished. She yeah. kind of, like, comes to some decisions of her own. And then, you know, she's like, come on. Uh, let's see here. Rick, I think I just heard the quote of the day. If I'm not mistaken, I heard Tim say, you've become a vomitaholic. Ha ha. LOL. Did somebody say that? Tim? I, I didn't. I didn't think anybody would hear me. All right. How about this? Rick, I think enjoying or not the vomit sounds is a difference between boys and girls. I don't like to generalize, says this woman, but I'm a girl and I don't like the vomit sounds either. My husband, however, thinks they're hilarious. Um, says this is just like the Richie introductory noise. Both Sarah and I don't ah. like the Richie sound, but I would imagine guys find it funny. So, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, well, I don't think we have to, do we have time to do an Insta poll? We do, actually, because we don't have uh, our dick till uh, 11.35. So what would the Insta poll even, what would the Insta poll even mean? Whether or not your, that specific vomit sounder is funny or not. So not we whether could, <laughs> so whether you whether it is funny. I thought that the other like the other day when we were playing the montage of all the vomiting and the music together, right. that was one of the most goddamn funny things I have ever heard. See, so why is the Family Guy funny thing funny to you, but this isn't? I don't know. Because I'm trying not to take offense at your statement that like we're somehow a morning show, <laughs> which is clearly the implication you were trying to make, and I glossed over it because I don't wish for us to start today on the wrong foot. I think it just foot. goes on too long or something. You played a 90-second Family Guy thing yesterday that you found Family hilarious. Guy. I, I so almost spent five hours watching Family Guy so yesterday. what's the difference? I don't know. 
I don't know. There's something that's just not there for me. I don't find it funny. I don't. So you find fake vomit funny, but not real funny. Not real vomit funny, perhaps. No, I found the real vomit last week funny. What was the real vomit last week? The one that we were playing of the, um, we were playing it back The woman back vomiting the on the air? The woman vomiting on the air, and then we and had then the, the guy. And then the guy vomiting on tech TV or whatever when he's selling a computer, when he's go, we've got a motherboard with increased RAM. You know, I think I just, I think I like to get to the point, and I feel like maybe that one goes on too long. All right. So I feel like, I like my Insta vomit. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so the, uh, are we talking about this isolated vomit that I've got here, or the full 90 second home movie vomit? About no, what are we doing? I think the, the, I think the isolated one is the, the right. full ninety second. All right, so we'll do a Rick Emerson Insta poll here. So the question is. But I'm 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 sure that other people think it's funny. Yeah. Just kind of. It's, I can it's sense like your that. contempt when you say it. That's fine. When you say, I'm sure that there's people who find it funny. Rick, I know you think less of us. You stop that. That's you okay. know what? I sat through the show. When we went on for six months with the mystery noise. <laughs> I think I can handle a ninety second vomit. I'm either. just saying. I know that. I know that you. Let me just let me just repeat what you said during the program. You just uh, during the beginning of the show uh, today, as we were sort of getting ready, you just said that you were disappointed in Tim. You said I'm disappointed in Tim. You I don't expect more from, but I expect more from Tim. That was what you said this morning at like 10:45. Tim is my buddy. I, I've disappointed scores before, but I always come back. <laughs> I'm just and, saying, and win them all back. Eventually. I just want you to be honest about it. I know that you think less of us for finding it funny. It just seems so shecky. Like so, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm really. Because you've never taken it to the level that you took it. To I'm not yesterday. trying, and I'm really not trying to fight about it. It would be a dumb thing for us to have a fight about. But I. Well, can, we can fight about it. I can it. sense I mean, you I have care. passive contempt for us. I just no, not for you at all. No, I just don't find it funny. And the another more you play, will, the less funny I find it. That will occur, and this will be considered child's play somewhere down the line. I exactly. Suppose. And I think you're getting a little worked up. You're sitting there looking at me with your eyebrows raised, like you do when you're all upset. No, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to understand why you seized upon this repetition. As Rick, opposed to some of the other things. I'm sitting over here, and yesterday I had to sit for three hours listening you guys play it over and over again and laugh, and then every single person that calls in, you're like, listen to this vomit sounder, and then play it again and laugh again. And I'm sitting here like, oh, God, it's never going to end. Just trying to block it out. Because if I found it funny, it's one thing, but if I have to hear it over and over and over and over and over and over again. But look, there are people on the phone. Let's see. All right. So what are we doing here? Are we doing, uh, so the question is, do you find this to be funny? Is that the, is that the question we're asking? Okay. All right. Yes. So the question is... Do we need the Dexter music? Yes. Uh, do you or do you not find this sound... Well, the 90-second one. So not the isolated one, but the full 90 seconds of it. Yeah, because the isolated one is fine. All right. Just the... The question is, do you find that to be amusing? Let's uh, now do this. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Where do you fall on the big vomit? Yes or no question? Yes. All right, that's a big yes. All right, thank you, sir. They're all going to be yes, Rick. You know, you know see, this. See, this is what I mean. You're prickly about the whole thing. Do, do Tim and Sarah have standing orders not to laugh at your jokes? Like Manson's own? I thought that was hilarious. That cracked me up. All right, so that's a big yes from hey, you? Yeah, I think it'd be better if you melded it with Richie's sound. Okay, thank oh. you. All right. No, Tim, and to her, Tim was laughing the whole time. You just can't hear him because his microphone is off. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Radio. Tim is a professional newsman. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Where do you come, come down to the big vomit question? Uh... The Family Guy is the best one ever, but I, I do have one that is super funny that Sarah may like. I don't know. So now people are just going to submit vomiting noises they think you might find amusing. So is that a yes? No, it's a no. All right, so you don't find this one funny? No. All right, thank you. All right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Vomit Instapol. Where do you come down on the big yes or no question? 
Vomiting is so funny, it makes me in danger of peeing myself. That's oh. how funny it is. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the Big Vomit Instapol. Uh, how say you? It was amusing mildly. The first time is no longer funny at all. All right. Thank you. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Where do you come down to the big vomit question? Uh, mildly amusing at first. And, yes, I am a guy, and I'm with you, Sarah, on this one. I, hey, I feel the same way about vomiting that, Rick, you feel about our <laughs> noises. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the big vomit instapol. I think it's hilarious, Rick. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's the Vomit Instapol. Uh, where do you come down? That'd be a big no. Enough, enough. All right, thank you. Thank All right. you. No, I have to say, I'm surprised people are evenly. It's a polarizing subject. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, the Big Vomit Instapol. Where are you? I have to agree with Sarah, the mature one on the show. No, 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 uh, no. Uh, Rick is you. getting offended, by the way. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. I don't even know who this audience is anymore. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Where do you come down to the Big Vomit question? I'm a no. And when I tuned in yesterday, I thought for sure Sarah had the day off. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sort of thing that does happen when Tim and I are left to our own devices. Hi, you're on the Rick. I may be. I may be in the minority on this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What is the big? Uh, what's your take on the big vomit question? Yeah, you know the the isolated port, funny as hell. The big long one, nah. I, I got to go with Sarah on that one. So you think as long as it's kept down to its bare essence, it's okay. But when it's stretched over 90 seconds, it becomes less funny. It, yeah, it's a little too much. All right, thank you. All right, we'll do three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Where do you come down to the big vomit instapol question? Um, I think the funniest part is definitely the uh, wet sound at the end, and I find it hilarious. All right, thank you. All Thanks. Right, two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Where do you come down to the big vomit instapol question? Yeah, it's a big yes on every vomit. All right, th thank you. Hi, you're on, the Rick, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Where do you come down to the big vomit instapol question? It's the best sound ever. All right, thank you. Okay, I swear to God. It's a tie. Oh, my God. I I'm so, see? Right we're here. both right. Do you, can you see where I'm coming from I now? appreciate your fence-mending ways, Sarah. So yes. which Today, Rick, which, we're all winners. <laughs> which side will steal the election? I don't know. Now i got to feel like we got to break the tie in some way. All right. Well, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. You know what? It couldn't have ended more perfectly than that. This seems we were like one of those... against each other, and then, look, it, it came out exactly even. This seems like one of those things that we're sort of... Started out wackily disagreeing on. It's you. You're it's, getting so worked up. I'm about not it. getting worked up. Do, do I sound worked up? I'm just saying. I know, I know you better, Cuff. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to come up okay. with another term. Another term of endearment. <laughs> well, it's just a great. You know what? It, it is the Rick Emerson show. You play that vomit sounder to your heart's no, little content. No, I appreciate your attempt to play. Really, can you see? Can you see a little bit how like maybe it was evenly split. It was evenly split between the pro and anti-vomit factions. All right. Well, clearly we'll have to address this later on. All right. Hi, Tim. Hello. I do. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Dick Uliano, Jim Root. More of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program okay. from the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent Dick Uliano. Hello, Dick. How are you today? Hey, Rick. Doing great. Good Good afternoon from Washington. Uh, thank you for joining us. I know it's a, it's a busy day for you guys. Um, so we are today, I mean, we'll, we'll get to sort of the, the perspective outcome here in just a moment, but today we're wrapping up with the final two 
uh, primary votes in terms of the Democratic nominating process, right? Exactly. Uh, this is clearly the finish line is in within sight for the Democrats. Montana and South Dakota voters go to the polls today. These are the final two primaries. Rick, only 31 delegates at stake in these two races. Barack Obama is 42 shy of the nomination, but he could be um, he, he could have the nomination locked up at the end of the day. Why? Because the superdelegates uh, who are going to have to decide this because neither one is going to have enough delegates, the superdelegates are expected to sort of fall in behind him now. Already James Clyburn, a Democrat, the number three Democrat in the power structure in the House from South Carolina, announced this morning he will back Obama, and others are expected to do this tonight now that the primary season is ending. And so we are how far away from these polls uh, being closed? Whether these are mountain, mountain time uh, and uh, central time, respectively, or am I wrong about that? I believe that uh, I believe they're central time. Uh, I don't think they're mountain time, okay. so I believe they'd be uh, a couple of hours behind you. So there's still there's still a lot in the day. And you know, by the way, I think we're just saying that the polls are open is a very good point. Obama is favored to win these races, but uh, some in the Clinton camp feel that she'll do very well, perhaps in South Dakota, maybe even win South Dakota. So she's looking for a game changer uh, from these two primaries. Obama. Obama, uh, for his part, what has he done? Well, tonight, he's rented the hall in St. Paul, Minnesota, where the Republicans plan to hold their convention this summer. So he's trying to send a clear signal that he's the guy this fall. He's the guy who's going to face John McCain. He's, for the last few uh, weeks, he certainly had been acting as though he was uh, the presumptive nominee, sort of not even acknowledging Hillary Clinton. But uh, it, it seems to sort of be the Obama campaign has been looking past Hillary Clinton and yes. speaking directly at John McCain for the last, I would say, five or six weeks. That's exactly right. And tonight, he is expected to, uh, if he doesn't completely claim victory, he's going to walk right up to the threshold tonight, uh, he's expected to anyway, in his speech. Mrs. Clinton has a speech scheduled in New York, in Manhattan, at a rally that is uh, billed as an end-of-campaign rally. Uh, some uh, around the Clintons uh, are calling it a farewell rally. And, and if you've listened to Senator Clinton in the past few days, she's sounding decidedly less defiant about Barack Obama. She seems to see the writing on the wall now uh, that if uh, she doesn't win in these primaries, and even if she does win in these primaries, that it may be over for her, uh, that she may not be able to sway the superdelegates that are needed to win this nomination. Uh, so my news director, Tim Riley, has just told me, so Montana is mountain time, South Dakota... And this is where I got the confusion. South Dakota is both mountain and central time. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. That yeah. sounds. Like he did some good fast checking there. As uh, well, that's what CBS knew in, in the tradition of Edward R. Murrow, my friend. That's how we. <laughs> that's how we roll here. Uh, as we sort of get ready to, to wrap this up, what do you make of these conflicting reports that came out today? There was a report early this morning, I think, that yeah. said that, that Hillary was going to wrap it up. She was going to throw in the towel today, and then immediately her campaign seemed to issue some kind of a denial. But is that is the read on that? Do you suppose that they are just sort of soft? Opening up the ground for the inevitable announcement that may come out yes. today? Uh, yeah, I, th I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's what it is. But, you know, I mean, I, you also have to be respectful of the process, I think, and perhaps they are paying some respect to that. People are voting today. And, uh, you know, if you were her opponent, that'd be a good thing to put out this morning, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, that she's going to concede. That would discourage uh, your opponent's supporters from going out. And uh, what the Clinton people are saying, what they've told CNN, what her campaign chief, uh, Terry McAuliffe, is saying is, look, 
This is not over. She's still hanging in there. Remember, there are still going to be discussions between her and Obama that are probably going to follow. So as far as Mrs. Clinton is concerned, she's going to hang in there, but uh, definitely beginning to see the writing on the wall. You know, the, sure. just the, the, the amazing thing about this, this whole process has just been, I guess let me put it this way. The, the, the truly astounding thing is that the astounding things aren't over. That even yeah. once this Democratic uh, nominating process is, is signed and sealed and delivered, as Barack's exit music has been saying, then you've still got this false election. And just the prospect of John McCain and Barack Obama going head-to-head for the presidency is just staggering and astounding on so many levels. Uh, and it's just going to really be a gripping chapter. Uh, it's a great point. And, you know, when you say that, uh, you know, the drama continues, you're absolutely right. I mean, do we know for sure that Obama's not going to choose her as a running mate? We uh, don't know that. I can't it even, could, you know, it could be. I can't even, I cannot even imagine uh, just, just the, the general tenor and tone of American uh, politics this fall, if, if that ends up being the case. It's just, anyway, I'm, I'm, i got to kind of stop myself where I just sort of getting myself into a frenzy about the whole thing. <laughs> All right, Dick, as, as always, it's a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. CNN Radio correspondent Dick Giuliano. What a pro. All right. All right. So we're <laughs> just taking a moment here. Just taking a moment to reset. All right. We're so obsessed with this vomit thing that we actually canceled the CNN correspondent. And that so Sarah and I had a big discussion during the break, making sure that you knew that I was not angry at you. No, and I'm not angry at you. No, uh, and yeah, because sometimes I think, yeah, when we're doing it on the air, we can't really talk about. It. No, and I'm I'm totally not coming from a place of anger no, with this. And how dumb that we would. Uh, Jesus, how dumb that we would even have to sit and talk about whether or not we're mad at each other about a stupid about the vomit, vomit sound sounder. effect. And you know the thing that that we learned a long time ago, but then we just forget and disregard is that we really just need to mention those things on the air when they happen. Because mm-hmm. I went through the whole first opening segment thinking you were like pissed at me for some reason. No, I wouldn't. That is so silly. I'm just saying. But you're right. No, and I thought that you were mad at me. <laughs> Let's all not hug. Hi. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Can we get that God, therapist back in here? Seriously, I think I need to start seeing the shrink again. You know what? I'm seeing... Uh, <gasps> Your I'm appointment's seeing, coming up. I'm seeing not one, but two different shrinks in the next week. So, um, Oh, boy. That's, that's how fun my life is. Uh, so I'm seeing my drug shrink... I should clarify for for CBS HR, uh, not because I have any sort of a problem, because I'm on trazodone, uh-huh. and you have to do a follow up every now and again, and also because that the so the follow up. I'm sorry you had to walk in the middle of this, Jim. We'll no get problem. In a second. So because I take trazodone, you have to do a follow up when your prescription. I think you get like one refill and then so you, you have to go in. A junkie. Yeah, and I think you get one refill and then you have to go in and they and they sign off basically and you getting another refill. So that is sort of dovetailing with the fact that uh, my wife, well, not. In no way has she like told me I have to do it, but she has strongly, strongly suggested that I pursue uh, some sort of a uh, antidepressant uh, medicative treatment. And so I'm at least so I'm gonna. But the, the good thing is I can do like one stop shopping. Like I can talk to the guy Friday about my trazodone refill. You're and, not 100 percent on the medication. Right? The I don't want to know if I want a medicated. Right? Well, you and me both. But uh, but this way I can sort of. But, but to be. But I want to say that I sort of talked to a doctor about it and whatever whatever happens that I got like. <clears throat> Because I can't really front to go, let me tell you definitively, I do not need medicates. Because what the hell do I know? I'm not a doctor. So. But seriously, you also have a different job than other people, too. And, like, your craziness is what keeps you going with your job. Yes. Like, if they took away your craziness, this is going to be the bo- most boring show ever. You know, Sarah, not everybody shares your assessment of that situation, though. So um, Don't get better. I'm just... Say, say the way you say are. Sick. So I have... So I have... So I have shrink number one this you know, Friday. Shrink doesn't pay the bills. Well, you know... <laughs> Can I can I tell you something? And we might as well. So here's so 
So I, here's something that I, I hadn't really taught. I didn't really reveal this when it happened, but I might as well just say it now. So let me apologize again, Jim. You came in to talk about vomit noises, and here you are on the receiving end of my big psychic unburdening. So I have the drug shrink on Friday about my trazodone. And so there have been some time a while back when uh, my wife and I were just sort of like bickering a lot. I mean, just really just it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't like, you know, I'm packing and going home to mothers. We was just, it was like we were really kind of just clashing over stuff that we didn't need to clash over and just sort of, and we're both big believers in like, handle that sooner rather than later. You know what I mean? Like, you don't put it off and then it becomes a whole, and then you come home one day and like, and Lisa Lopez is setting fire to your house. So our <laughs> our thing is like, you handle it sooner rather than later. So we're like, you know what, well, let's, you know, because the one thing is we have insurance, which means you can like go to a shrink. We're like, we'll go, we'll you know have somebody help us figure out why we're sort of, you know, like, like sort of bitching at each other all the time. And I'm not exaggerating for comedic purposes. This is how it happens. So my wife and I go to this shrink who's, you know, and you know how it is. The, 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 his whole role is to sit there and be the objective third party who listens and says, well, here's here's kind of why you're fighting about this. We go to the shrink, and less than 30 minutes into the shrink appointment that my wife and I are going to, he full-on, flat-out says to Lara, you're fine. There are no problems with you. It's just him. <laughs> so now, starting, I think, Tuesday... I'm going to see that shrink, who we initially went to because of, like... What a dick. You want to go to some guy who just calls you out in front of her and says you're crazy? No, he full... He did. I mean, I just... I And I didn't talk about it at the Nobody time because it seemed awkward. Nobody knows what goes on in someone's head. You know what? In a half an hour, you cannot decipher who is crazy no. and who is not. You well, know, people can hide the crazy very well. He had many impressive degrees framed on the wall oh, behind sure him. Several leather-bound books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he himself smelled of rich mahogany. It wasn't the books. It was him. I don't like him. I'm Anyone who says after a half an hour that you have mental problems, that's just me. Yeah. So I'm not, and I, and I, I and like I'm, you're not going to go hang yourself from a shower rod. I am not, I am not making, making that up or augmenting that for comedy purposes. I didn't talk about it at the time because it seemed a little, I think because I was still sort of smarting from the whole thing. Hey, did your shrink happen to be near uh, Sandy Boulevard? No. No. Okay, because I went to... I no, went my shrink to, is way out in Clackamas. Okay, because I went to one like that who was just like, did not hit it off instantly. Oh, no. Well, I went to... Uh, Sorry about this, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have, like, show prep and stuff. Jesus, but... honestly, the, nothing can compare with this right now. Okay. Honestly, no, I, I, am, I am focused. I am zen. Oh, I went to that. I went. I told you, I went to that shrink who uh, was on, well, he was near Sandy Boulevard. We'll put it that way. And I got, like, and it was the worst set of circumstances because my insurance didn't cover him. He was out of the network, which I found out later. And he was a quack. And so it's like you're sitting there going, I am paying, you know, however much it was, an hour, and also the guy's a dick, mm -hmm. and also not helping me. Um, just, it, that, that never has worked for me. That's never worked for someone being like, you have a problem, and this is all you, you're mental. Like, I don't deal well with that. It's so like, we, aren't, you, aren't you there so I can talk to you, not so you can sit there and tell me how wrong I am? I do appreciate by the fact you sort of defending me against the shrink saying I'm crazy, even though about 30 seconds before that you were noting that I am crazy and you like me that way. No, so we, I, I'm <laughs> glad that you're in my corner all the time. Yeah, I just don't feel like that's an appropriate thing for a shrink to say. So my wife and I are both well, yeah. and we're both, my wife and I are sitting there going, well, we seem, you know, we kind of are arguing about stuff lately, and just small things, and, you know, so there's just, we want to figure out exactly how to sort of, and like half an hour in, he looks for and goes, no, 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 you're fine, you don't have any problems at all. You, though, you and he's like, I, it's, I want to make appointments with you. You are really the problem in this relationship. So, <laughs> I kind of almost uh, want to back uh, uh, Sarah up uh, on this because, me. I mean, how is he, how is he going to uh, diagnose you completely in the same time it takes a pizzeria to make you a pizza? I don't know. Seriously, and and like, it, you know? it's a relationship, counselor, and a relationship is two people, and that's yeah. unfair of him to all of a sudden say, like, hey, you're crazy. Well, I and it takes two people to make a thing go right, you know? It takes two to make it out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anywho. And he looks, vomit. Uh, he looks like Burl Ives, though. <laughs> oh. He looks like Burl Ives, and he wears a huge, like, 70s gold medallion. <laughs> But you know what, buddy? I kind of like him. I do have to admit that I kind of like him. I do have to admit, I got a pretty good read on him. As much as you can't necessarily understand a person in half an hour or whatever, I do have a pretty good read on him. So I don't want to sound as though I'm, I don't want to sound as though I'm going involuntarily. I'm really not. Uh, But it's just, but it was. Involuntarily or involuntarily? In, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) So so I really wasn't saying that to to, to complain about it or to somehow put it on my wife, because clearly I am the crazy one in a relationship. We all know that that's true. It's just funny that he identified that like 30 minutes in. Not only did he identify me as being crazy, he identified her as having no issues to work on at all, that they were all my fault. So, anyway. So there you go. I think, and to say that somebody doesn't have any issues to work on, I'm not saying anything about Lara personally, but everyone has issues. Yeah. Like, how could she not have issues? That's that just doesn't seem like well, a very logical. Well, if she does have issues, they're just all they're just all related to no, me. It doesn't seem like a logical statement. Like you have nothing, you're uh, fine, you're crazy. Well, is she Vulcan? I mean, is she that logical <laughs> that there's that there's really no sort of gray area with her? It's like you're black or white, you are white, you are fine. Um, go. I will say, uh, just so we can sound like uh, like the whitest people on earth, she also though does have her own separate shrink on the side for issues that are just hers. So we now, if you're keeping track of the Emerson family household, we have four different <laughs> shrinks that we go to. I, I'm a walking Woody Allen film. <laughs> you are. I am. I mean, Does all dog I need, have a shrink seriously, too. Seriously, <laughs> it's like all I all I need to be doing is sitting there like puttering around, feeding my goldfish, and babbling to Diane Keaton about something. I don't know. I, I, I just I want I want to have sex with every woman I see. I uh, I don't oh, know. I'm, I'm, I'm 65. I'm supposed to be normal. I, uh, this guy's going to suggest that you and Shirley MacLaine go out and eat some peyote exactly. and just, you know, talk to the stars for it's a like, I feel like I'd be sitting there giving glib one-liners about locks and my sex life. some Woody Allen glasses. That would be awesome. Just make know. the transformation. I don't know. I, I haven't been inside a woman since I toured the Statue of Liberty. I, I don't know. I, uh... <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> That's okay. Our, We're all used to it anyway. I wish Our I was dead. All right. state. You Jesus. That's awesome. I know. So vomit. <laughs> so this all started because early. It's hard to imagine why I thought Sarah was was uh, was yelling at me and angry at me. It's hard to imagine why I might have been the slightest bit defensive at the beginning of the program. Put down the knife. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so I don't even know what the hell we're talking about. So we had, did you hear our vomit sound yesterday? I, I missed it. I'm sorry. All okay, right. good. So you're coming okay, the, can I, totally clean let me just say, okay. I have to apologize in advance to everybody who has said that they dislike the vomit noise. This, you, please believe me when I say this is necessary, academically speaking. I have to play it now. Uh, I would encourage those people just to grit your teeth, your muffs. It's hang, only like 90 seconds. Hang, hang tight. 90 seconds? Okay. Hang tight. Hang tight. We'll all get through it. And then Jim, who is, uh, in addition to uh, working on Rock 101, KUFO, um, it, you do uh, you do some work as a professional comedian, do you not? Well, professional comedian is just a fancy word for plasma donor. But thank you, I appreciate the uh, the number. Uh-huh. So you're a man. You, uh, you're a, you're a funny guy, and you're yeah. a guy who does comedy professionally. Performed? I haven't, but you told me it was great. You yes. raved about it. Yes, so. very much so. Yes, Jim so, is uh, very hilarious. So here's the deal. So I'm okay. going to play you two things. One is, and it's only 58 seconds. Uh, <laughs> this is the audio from some guys in Kansas, and the, here's the setup. They're sitting in the kitchen window, and there's a tornado about 10 miles away. And they're okay. they're sitting in the kitchen with a with a you know a video camera filming it, and the one guy's like, "Hey, look at that tornado! It's coming down on Red's house." And meanwhile, there's a guy 
in his kitchen with him, who apparently is sort of unnerved by the whole fact that there's a tornado, and who out of stress just begins vomiting over and over again. Oh, God. And so we played this yesterday, mm -hmm. and then played it, and then played it some more, and, and then, then played it, in the played it and played it and played it and played it and played it, and then isolated just the vomiting sounds and played those over and over again. <laughs> and Sarah didn't find it as funny as myself and, let's say, Tim did. And it was such a point of contention today that we actually spent about eight minutes taking like an insta poll from the audience and i swear to christ if you look at the uh the the, the, it's, the audience was split they wow. were evenly 50 50 full-on florida hanging nauseous men. that's what i'm saying <laughs> so we're gonna play you the original and then the isolated question and the question is i guess the initial question is is this funny okay all right so here is and then the, the secondary question well okay let's do the initial so here's the first one this is one guy filming out a window looking at a tornado while another guy stands next to him keep in mind they are in no danger because okay. the tornado's like 10 miles away uh somebody call david 8183 tell him the tornado's right over his house yeah i see that this thing is massive oh my god i was waiting for that microwave power to go oh. never did not a good start uh, plug it into a plug-in. Uh, anywhere, right? First plug-in you see. You want that on tape? No. <laughs> it is. <laughs> soup. Yeah, soup. Holy, oh my god, they're losing shingles now. <laughs> Medic? It's right there. Yeah, Morgan, sit downstairs. It's okay. Wow. Okay, so imagine listening to that. Jim and I have heard this a hundred times. We're still laughing. <laughs> okay, Jim, so imagine hearing that played over and over and over again, all 58 seconds of it. And then hearing them laugh like that. And then and then hearing just a 4.9 second excerpt. <laughs> See, I like the splat. Now... It's like he's painting a wall. I mean, not, not to go uh, Robin Williams on you, but that was a barbaric yelp. I mean, that was, I mean, he was selling that. So... So we played that all day yesterday, and mm -hmm. then, of course, we do the Rick Emerson recap from 10 to 11, which is sort of a, like a distillation of the previous day's show. Mm -hmm. So Sarah got to hear it for a solid hour again this morning. <laughs> and the best part Before was... Before breakfast, of the, course. The three of us are all in here kind of prepping for the show around 10.30, and so the recap is playing, and the recap consists of... The vomit noise and Tim and I laughing from yesterday. Meanwhile, the real Tim and I are in here laughing at ourselves, <laughs> laughing at it again today. So Sarah is like in this weird vomit <laughs> reverb chamber. And so so I guess the issue is, and the audience, I'm just, I mean, I've got just dozens and dozens of emails about this. We get all kinds of calls. The question is whether it's funny and at what point, like when does it start being funny, stop being funny, then become funny again? Well, I have to say, um, the initial sort of like the, the heave that you hear at the very beginning, <laughs> that sort of starts the giggle train rolling because you know you know that there's more coming. You know that that's just like the preamble, uh, like oh things are getting oh wait a minute, I need I need a moment here, I need a moment, and then that, that the realization of that I'm sure was on this guy's face, which was like oh god this is going to be bad. I am gonna I'm just gonna spew spew all over the place. But from the comedic standpoint. Uh, I think of it from like the standpoint of like early primitive man, before there was actually any kind of a, a, a language that could be uh, understood between two men, aside from like grunts and whatnot. So I would assume that bodily fluids, functions, smells, anything that came from the body involuntarily 
was the first form of comedy, in my opinion. And therefore, uh, with with this, I mean, it harkens back to that. It's almost vaudevillian in the fact that you know it's it was the, the Henny Youngman of the Paleolithic era. Exactly, was was probably very lactose intolerant, and all they had to <laughs> drink was you know pterodactyl milk or what have you. I don't know. No, but seriously, ladies and gentlemen. I'm... <laughs> but no, so yeah, the, uh, the the initial start where where you you, you sense that oh he's he's going to lose it. That's the the excitement almost I should say. I don't really want to use that term, but. The uh, anticipation that you know that, oh, it's going to get a lot worse. It's like you're on a roller coaster almost, and you see, like, the initial crest coming, and someone starts to, like, uh, they get nervous. You know that they're going to be a screamer the entire ride. Now, as somebody who works professionally in the world of comedy, is that something you would play infrequently, (laughs) you would play somewhat frequently, or is that a thing you would play constantly? Oh, man. Um, I guess it all comes down to the individual taste, p- pardon the pun, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I think that uh, in a pro- over a, it has a window, basically, where you can cram it in as much as you want, and it'll never not be funny. But <laughs> when that balloon is finally popped, it probably will never be funny again. <laughs> I understand. I, I think I, it's <laughs> You think it's popped? You think the balloon's popped? I'm pretty sure it's popped. Well, the thing is, uh, each person has their own balloon. So, I mean, it's one person, they'll be able to listen to that, and that balloon is exponentially huge. So that, does, that makes it really interesting, though, that we did a poll this morning of the audience, and literally 50-50 split exactly down mm. the middle on whether it was still funny or not. Honestly, I... Do you think probably, that means we might be at the tipping point? I think I may need to hear it again. Um, the whole thing, or just the isolated? <laughs> Let's go the isolated. All right, here's See, just so the isolated. See, if he's picking the isolated, that should say something. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's not just like a little, like, like um, what was it, uh, Stand By Me, where like in a fat chick I in her purse. I almost opened the show with that today. I almost opened <laughs> oh, the show with a... I mean, that was, was like... Chosen. Chosen. Now you want more vomit. <laughs> I'm saying there's funny vomit that is not funny vomit. I mean, it's still funny. The isolated, I'm sticking by the isolated funny vomit, but the balloon has popped. So you see there's a gray right. area when it comes to vomit? All right. You know I love you, right? Uh-oh, here we go. This oh. is not directed at Jim. This is directed at Sarah. You, He's me? pointing at me with his pen. I'm just saying, it. you know that I love you. Sarah yesterday had a 90-second family guy vomiting like you cavalcade. Maybe this we should play that funny. for him. Was that the one where they're taking the Ipecac? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, that's like, this is only 58 <laughs> seconds. That's like a minute and a half. Family Guy is hilarious. Well, uh, the only the only flaw that I find with Family Guy at times, and this is something I, I think the, I hate the, when he fights the giant chicken. Well, no, actually, those are those, those montages I enjoy because <laughs> they go all over the place. But when when they do something like where Peter's walking down the driveway and he falls and he grabs his knee for nine, like ah, yeah, I don't need nine of those. Like maybe make do with seven. Five would be plenty. But when you got to like certain scenes where where it was like that, that that's just uh, over the top for being over the top sake. This was like a genuine. Spontaneous, you know, regurgitation. This guy did not plan to like, oh, there's a tornado. I better, Here's, you know. Before you play this, listen to this. Some listen bad to this email. This one says, Rick, the vomit is funny, but I do believe it goes on for too long, but not long enough to become funny again. It's stuck in a weird terra nullius of comedic timing. Wow. Though the isolated uh, one is amusing since it gets right to it. So he says it's in like some sort of weird nether world of. Not long enough to be funny again, mm. but too long to be funny in and of itself. Mm. So it needs to be four minutes long, is what he's pointing out here. All right. Do you have the... Uh... Oh, you want me to play it? Okay. Damn, I'm so sorry about all of this. <laughs> all right, you guys. I, I got roll. eight crates of Epicac from Mort, all on my tab. Now, whoever goes the longest without puking gets the last piece of pie in the fridge. Okay, here we go. How's everybody doing? Good. Good so far. All right. All right. Nothing yet. Cool. Cool. 
You know, I, I don't know if you guys had any of that pie already, but that is, uh, that is some tasty stuff. That's from the uh, bake sale that Lois was... <laughs> one down. I know somebody who won't be having any... I'm starting to feel funny. Well, I feel fine. I guess I'm going to... Oh, boy. That means I win. I get to eat... <laughs> oh, oh, God. Why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> Oh, my God, my insides are on fire! <laughs> no, please, no more, no more. Dad, I'm scared. Get the phone. Call 911. Lois, 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 get in here. Okay, okay, okay. I think it's all gone. I think it's... I don't want it. I don't want it. Peter. Peter, I need you to hold my ears. <laughs> hold my ears. <laughs> Who wants chowder? All right, so Sarah's actually losing her composure. She's laughing so hard. The best part, by the way, is when Brian says, get the phone. Call 911. <laughs> no, he says, hold my ear back, ears back. That's true, yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. That is uh, uh, vomiting with a witty repartee thrown in between there. So, I mean, there's there's obviously, you have both the vomit factor, which we've, esta- we've established has some comedic merit. You mix that in with some uh, some clever writing, I guess you'd call that. And uh, the two together, plus you're just listening to it. You have the visual in your head if you've seen the episode. If not, then you're just you know horribly terrified as to why you turned in. But uh, no, I think that with 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 the original audio that you brought of the tornado incident, that was spontan- spontaneous. No one expected that to happen. And the fact that he was on that same level of yelping, I mean, it was just, he was going. I mean, he that was, was going, going from his toenails. Yeah. I mean, that was coming from all the way downtown. And versus this, which is, I mean, these are guys. Are, we're going to sit down and we're going to vomit. You know. <laughs> So, yeah, it's... All right. I would say yes. Vomiting, funny. My okay. Friend David just wrote, now I'm just thinking about a vomit-filled balloon popping. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out. Big Jim from Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you, my friend. Anytime I can. All right. Let's take a break. We come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth uh, later on. Lisa Deschardins, Peter Carlin. Uh, we will be talking to uh, Dale Robinson from G-Force Hurl. I'm so very sorry. And Mailman Chris will be reviewing Lego Indiana Jones. Tim Riley next. Stay there. Skewm decor, Tim. So that is. Getting back to basics. That's what it is. There's nobody who panders relentlessly to the 18 to 44-year-old male demographic like this program. What we do. What we do like no one else. This email says, Rick, here's something nobody has said. Are they calling that guy and telling him the tornado is right over his house? I envisioned some guy hearing the phone ring and running out of the storm cellar to answer the phone and then being flung by the tornado into Nebraska. <laughs> I better go answer the phone, honey. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program coming up in just one moment. Tim Riley will be here from the Ministry of Truth. Uh, later on today, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Dale Robinson from G4 uh, about the second season of Code Monkeys and the new show Hurl. Mailman Chris will weigh in about uh, the uh, Lego Indiana Jones game, which comes out today. And we'll do the top five. Top five songs that almost became the Rick Emerson Show opening theme. This is your personal savior. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, 
This is Tim Riley. And today's visit is sponsored by Lace Auto Collision Centers and Lace.com. Call today and find out what Lace can do for you. Please, if they're sponsoring the New Time News. Okay, we have so many things going on. Let me give you a few quick headlines, and then we'll delve into it, because this is a very busy day. First, on the national level, the AP reports that Barack Obama has clinched the Democratic nomination. According to their tally, NBC says he's a little bit short, and nobody else is saying anything, not CNN. So. Uh, we talked to Dick Giuliano, and he was... How do I put this? He was very... He didn't say that Obama had not... Uh, clinched it, but he was very careful never to say that he had. Right. Uh, so they are they are not confirming that as of now. So apparently they're uh, expecting a super delegate surge to Obama. There was another AP report today calling uh, for Hillary Clinton to quit, saying that she would quit tonight. Uh, Hillary's people say they will not. So AP is really going out on a limb today. Yeah. So we're just giving you the information that they're giving us. Now, locally, Trey Arrow is going to get six and a half years in prison. This is a breaking story. Pwned. Just in. Trey Arrow pleading guilty to two counts of arson in federal court today. Now, this is part of his plea bargain deal. Uh, his formal sentencing will wait till August, but he will get six and a half years. And he's going to be staying locally in Sheridan, which is, uh, if you're going to uh, Spirit Mount Casino and take a right, that's Sheridan. That is the same prison where Suge Knight was incarcerated, by the way. It's a nice federal prison with cable TV. Is it really? Is it a country club, Tim? Mm-hmm. All right. Because I, I knew of several people living in uh, Sheridan, which is a typical country town, uh, and they were wondering why their cable TV was so good. It's because they have a federal prison there, so they have more channel choices. The key is to live in a place where there's thousands and thousands of murderers. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that's that. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, we have uh, Smokey the Bear. Smokey the Bear is coming back to Washington State. We'll tell you about that in just a minute. But first, our top story. A goat has been captured riding aboard a TriMet bus. Apparently, it, it hitched a ride, uh, creating a havoc last night. Somebody actually called 911 to report a goat on bus route number 14 last night. They uh, they say the goat stepped onto the bus shortly before 10 o'clock at the corner of 94th and Southeast Foster. And apparently, this was an unauthorized kid riding the bus alone. <laughs> this 35-pound goat was eventually captured without incident. Take the Multnomah County Animal Services in Troutdale. Employees are trying to find the owner, including several searches on Craigslist. Uh, this goat is a female pygmy goat with a black collar and a yellow tag on it. Uh, but the tag is impossible to read. Well, wouldn't you just sort of assume, I mean, it is uh, it is June. Wouldn't you just assume this is some kind of, uh, I don't know, like a wacky school prank or something? Perhaps so. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, but what should we do with this goat? I don't know. Let's stick it on a bus and see what happens. I mean, that... Well, nobody stuck it on the bus. Apparently, the goat got on the bus by itself. <laughs> so the goat had been coached. One, please. Ah. So we're now <laughs> animal control plans to care for the goat until their owner can be found. I mean, the thing is, I mean, even if I, even if you didn't know where this took place, even if sections of the story were blanked out, and you were to sort of, if you were asked to speculate as to what part of town had a goat riding trimed, you would of course, yeah, I mean, of course you'd know it was right up there. I mean, I'd much rather ride a TriMet bus with a goat than a person. Yeah, I suppose. It's just. I hope they start putting them on the max. I'd really, be more comfortable riding. There's no other place in town where that would happen. I mean, that is just that's our own little Florida up there. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this uh, goat has a healthy appetite. She's enjoying hay and grain at her brief stay at the shelter. So if this is your goat, you should update her ID tags because nobody can read them. All right. So go by and pick up your goat, please. If please pick up the goat. 
A deputy is arrested a Vancouver man on charges he masturbated in front of customers at the, uh, let's see, the Big Lot store in Aloha. Don't ask me why he picked this one. The deputy said uh, Daniel Lummerling, who's 42, started to uh, fondle himself while watching women chop inside of Big Lots. He tried <laughs> to hide his behavior by holding a shopping basket at his waist, but an employee uh, confronted him. Officials say uh, she told him to button up his pants, and he said, oh, is that mine? I don't know what that Now, was he inside the store or yeah, was he in the parking the lot? No, he's inside the store right. at Big Lots. He left the building and employees called police. They searched the Aloha Mall and eventually found him hiding in a downstairs office. He's been booked to Washington County Jail. Charges of criminal trespassing, criminal mischief, and public indecency. Jesus, it just seems like even the fondlers have bad self-esteem at this point. Well, I'm going to go look at some women at the Aloha Mall. I know. Yeah. Uh, a woman suffered a gunshot wound to her lower leg last night in Northeast. She was found at the intersection of Northeast 35th Avenue and Northeast Kingsworth. They spoke to the victim, and it appeared that she was helping uh, the officers. But apparently the shooting's accidental, and nobody's offering any information. The woman, they don't know who she is yet, is either in her late uh, 20s or early 30s. Happened around midnight. A 12-year-old Vancouver girl injured when an M80 exploded in her hands. Apparently she found the M80 in her dresser. And uh, next to where she was using her computer. So, she lit the fuse. Just decided to light it to see what would happen. She lit the fuse and then headed in. She had to change of heart, headed into the bathroom to extinguish it. Not enough time. It blew up in her hand. Her condition is stable. No arrests are made. Now, before we make any fun of this, now, is she, is she one of the fingerless kids that they roll out every, uh, like, 3rd of July to you know, sort of so. be a warning to the others? Well, there's plenty of time for her to be a fingerless girl because we have a few more weeks to go before the 4th of July. <laughs> if she, she could be this year's poster child. <laughs> if she, there's still time, her... kids. If you haven't lost a hand by now, yet you're longing for some kind of perverse public attention. So... So this is what it was an M80. Yeah. And see, the thing we always uh, we probably discussed I'm this in the sure past. I'm not sure this is. So why not set it on fire? <laughs> why not? Why and then keep it in my hand? Um, the it, you do have to sort of give her points for you know I guess trying to seek out some sort of water. Although I think that M80 fuses are, are waxing or whatever. I think they have some sort of coating. So I think if she had thrown it down the toilet, it actually would have blown up the entire toilet. So um, the thing we were always told as a kid was that M80s are like a quarter stick of dynamite, which now that I think about it, seems like one of those things that can't be true. Uh, they would always like, say, you know, an M80 is a quarter. Which is, and you know that that's not true because why would they ever sell that even, I mean, even when I was a kid, they had already started to restrict some of those things and you would have to go to like an Indian reservation to buy, which I think you still have to do here, right? Isn't that the thing? So. Uh, by Battleground, are there some sort of like Indian reservations up there where you go to, and there was in Yakima? We would always go to Yakima. You know, where there was there was always a helpful gentleman who'd be willing to load your car trunk full of highly illegal explosives, which you would then go home and, you know, use to obliterate your G.I. Joe figures or whatever. But the thing they always told us growing up is, you know, that M80 is a quarter stick of dynamite, which always fascinated us because then the sort of corollary to that was if you had four M80s, which we did because we bought them by the dozens, if you had four M80s, you then had the equivalent of three sticks of dynamite. And having grown up watching spaghetti westerns, I then just had images in my head of blowing up a dam somewhere. So the question is how it just sort of came to be laying in her dresser drawer, uh, because that sort of thing almost had to have originally come from an older brother, and older brothers always keep very good track of their explosives. Here it was left by the tooth fairy. It's entirely it's Vancouver. It's entirely possible. So kids, when in doubt, just throw the M80 in some other direction. Don't hold that in your hand. That seems like a bad idea. An 87-year-old woman out for an evening stroll in Estacado was attacked and bitten by four dogs. She's been taken to the hospital in Portland for treatment. 
She was walking along a southeast divers road around uh, 7.30 when the dogs attacked. They'd apparently escaped from a well-enclosed eight-foot chain-link fence. A nearby resident, Barbara, saw the attack, came to the help of the elderly woman who was on the ground surrounded by the canines. The dogs turned friendly and started wagging their tails after they uh, bit the woman. She was able to get the dogs to direct their attention away from the elderly woman and the dog's owners, told authorities. They've been caring for the dogs for several years after the canines wandered onto their property. They're properly vaccinated, so the woman can't get anything, even though she was bitten. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Good day, Rick Emerson. I'm driving on V84 today. Thank you. Um, I wanted to tell you a tale of a kid that I went to school with who uh, was very ready to give people the finger. Um, it's just every time you saw him, you'd say hello, and then, bam, that finger would come out. So uh, the 4th of July after graduation... But rather, the 5th of July, the front page of the Columbian was him laying in a hospital bed, and he blown the finger right off. That's a little bit of uh, that's a little so, bit of fireworks retribution right there. It, it was a great thing. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, you go to school with a kid who does that for so long, and what comes around goes around or, or gets blown off. So, I don't think I ever knew anybody who blew off uh, a body part. I don't think, I mean, you always sort of hear about that. So you would be the one guy I know who knows. Tim, you ever know anybody blow off a body part like with fireworks? I know someone who uh, got their legs run over by a train. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the fact that I, I say, do you know anybody who blew off a hand with a firework? And you respond with a train story. So no, no fireworks. That's close, isn't it? Lots of limbs. Well, I suppose it's. There may be a long list of people you know who have lost fingers in uh, woodshop projects. Well, that's true, but I'm thinking specifically firework. The only reason I bring this up, though, is because it's, it's like when they say, you know, no, no, if you play with that thing, you'll put your eye out. And, like, you've never known anybody who was playing with a thing and put an eye out. That never happens. Actually, a friend of mine was working underneath the dashboard of his Camaro uh-huh. and uh, was doing something with a Phillips screwdriver, and, it like, he was pushing on it, and it slipped and came back around, and, by golly, it put his eye out. Maybe it's you that brings bad luck to your friends, sir. I was I didn't know him when he put his eye out. Uh, was, this uh, was months before, but maybe it was a preemptive. I right. don't know. Thank you. All right. No, it's um it's because that's because they would say that you know as you get to the end of, of June or whatever in school they would say now kids don't play with fireworks because you'll lose a hand or a finger and then they would always trot out the story of some kid who lived in Kentucky who blew off one of his hands and now had one glove too many because he was playing with a bunch of black cat fireworks or something and but you never really knew the guy and you never really saw the guy it was always I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it was sort of like the Mikey and the Pop Rocks and the blowing himself up after drinking a Diet Coke. Like, it was just one of those things, that story that was sort of passed around. Wait, is this true? Now, Richie is saying that he at one point injured himself. I guess it shouldn't surprise me whenever Richie sort of pop up, but pops up with some sort of horrific story. So Richie is saying that he was, in fact, injured by explosives. Is that true? Well, okay, we'll find out later. Here's Tim Riley. Then there's a story about the two little girls who were almost eaten by the cougar. Two girls got a scare... But an aggressive cougar in southern Oregon followed them over the weekend. According to the family, 8-year-old Gina and 6-year-old Annie were riding their bikes near Weimar, and they decided to grab a sandwich when the older girl was approached by the cougar. Well, Gina quickly followed the instructions. Her parents and school teachers taught her putting the bike between her and the mountain lion and not running away. She always remembers, never run from a cougar. So uh, they stayed there for about five minutes. The cougar never uh, turned or looked away until the mother drove up in the car and it just ran away. Another neighbor followed it, scared it, and killed it. So the two little girls got their picture taken in front of the dead cougar and they're both smiling. That is the creepiest photo ever. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So they were just in some sort of a standoff with the cougar? Yeah, the cougar was standing there, and apparently the mom came by in the car and scared the cougar a little bit. And so the girls knew somehow that you're not supposed to, or that you're just supposed to not yeah. move? Apparently they're given cougar life. <laughs> Why? What? Where do they live? Near Weimar. Which is where? Oregon. Do we know where that is? We don't know where near Weimar is. I mean, apparently <laughs> southern Oregon. It's not in the actual metropolis. No, it is so Weimar. <laughs> Dateline, near Weimar. Oh, wait, so near Weimar is near... Is that the, is near Weimar the full name of the place, or is it near the place that is called Weimar? We don't know. That's what the story is. Because like. I'm wondering exactly in what kind of city you would grow up where part of your life lessons were how to deal with a cougar when it started to stalk you. So, all right, because the thing, didn't we learn this a couple of weeks ago that you're not supposed to play dead when it, there was that guy that had the bear chewing on his brain or whatever? Uh, and we had always been taught sort of growing up, or you just sort of hear that you're supposed to play dead. You know what we ought to do on this program sometime? Play dead. Yeah, <laughs> and let some wild animals in here. <laughs> That's what we ought to do, Tim. Today we're just going to be playing dead. That'd be great. <laughs> um, I was thinking what we ought to do is we ought to do a whole uh, a whole segment on the show at some point about how to deal with uh, wild animal attacks of whatever variety. Well, according to the OSP, it is not always appropriate to shoot at an animal. If they're acting aggressively, you know, coming toward you, you're seeing it in the middle of the daytime, if it's chipping its teeth at you, growling or taking an aggressive stance or something like that, then it's okay. Go ahead and shoot it and kill it, says uh, Kirk Meyer, the Oregon State Police. Blood. Outside of that, just because you see a cougar on your property or something, you're not necessarily authorized to kill it. Oh, screw that. I mean, look, I, you know, I root for animals, and I, and I understand that the, the often combative nature between animal and man and nature and civilization. And that being said, if there's something with huge fangs and claws anywhere near your house, I think you're fully within your rights to get rid of that thing however you want. I'm not going to be... So let me ask you this. So, so, okay, cougar, you deal with it by doing what? You stare at it? You don't move? What is it you're supposed to do? I guess you don't, you, you, uh, I don't know. <laughs> See, how will we know if we're ever ambushed by cougars? And is a cougar the same thing as a mountain lion? So if you know, no, to, that's a different animal. What is the difference between a cougar and a mountain lion, Tim? I think a mountain lion is bigger than a cougar. Is that true? I've never seen either. How are you supposed to deal? Here's another thing I was always told growing up. Uh, here's a little bit of guy knowledge. And when I say knowledge, I mean it's just sort of maybe it's an old wives' tale. It's a thing that guys sort of always heard. You know, how you're supposed to deal with a great white shark if it attacks you. No. I was always told if a great white shark attacks you, you're supposed to whack it on the end of the nose. Uh, you are supposed to thump it solidly. Well, I, I, that's, they, they never really explained that, actually. Now, they, they, I guess they just sort of assumed you would have a bowling pin handy. Uh, you, shark! And then, uh, you'd have your skateboard in hand, and you were supposed to whack the shark on the end of the nose, and that was supposed to make the shark go away. But now that you actually ask it, I don't know what with what you were supposed to hit. Because they also told you never to touch the skin of the shark because its skin is it's like razory sandpaper or something and it'll cut you. So apparently you're supposed to hit the shark at the end of the nose, but they don't say with what. They always taught us to play dead with bears, but as that guy told us a couple weeks ago, if you do that, the bear will just eat your insides. Cougars, you're supposed to stand and stare because, at them and not move. Do not run. This is especially important for children because, I mean, children, they can just eat one bite, I suppose. Uh, and if you run, you might trigger a pursuit. Face the cougar. Face the cougar. Don't turn your back on the cougar. Stand up. Maintain eye contact with the cougar. Cougars prefer to ambush prey from behind. If the cougar knows you've seen it, an attack is less likely. And adults, pick up your kids. <laughs> Children, don't move. I would have to tell the adults to pretend that. Do not throw your kids off to the side as a diversionary practice. If the cougar is within 50 yards, do all the above. 
Make yourself look bigger. I was actually going to... I was going to... Raise your hands overhead. <laughs> Tim is acting all of these things out. I was going to guess make yourself look bigger. Attempt to move to safety, but don't run. I don't think that people could do both. I wonder, are you supposed to make yourself look bigger and then also roar at the cougar? Are you supposed to yourself be loud as though you are some fearsome creature? If the cougar is staring intensely and trying to hide, combined with crouching and or creeping toward you... <laughs> oh, it just freaks me out even to hear it. Throw things at the cougar if it's close enough... <laughs> Doesn't that seem like it almost certainly can't be right? <laughs> but here's something that's the hardest part. Throw a softball at the cougar. But the hardest one is right here. Smile. Show <laughs> <laughs> the cougar your teeth. <laughs> smile. 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 Smile as you're throwing, as you're throwing dirt cards at a cougar. <laughs> Yell, shout, make intimidating noises. Your goal is to convince the cougar that you are not prey. In fact, you may be dangerous. Oh, man, the phrase, if the cougar is creeping toward you, is the creepiest, that is, you'll forgive the pun, the creepiest thing I've heard all day long. Jesus. If the cougar attacks and makes contact, one, fight for your life. Scream. Begin to bleed profusely. Use any weapon available, <laughs> camera, binoculars, a knife, fishing pole, or your fist. Direct your blows to the cougar's eye. I, w I would suggest poking out its eyes. Duly noted, Tim. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh... So this uh, this book costs six ninety five. <laughs> it's called Don't Get Eaten: The Dangers of Animals That Try to Attack by Dave Smith. Maybe we can put that on our our book listed pile. I think we ought to try to get Dave Smith on the show. Dave Smith, Don't Get Eaten, author of Don't Get Eaten. <laughs> Don't Get Eaten. Well, it's only six. I love the idea that the, the, the advice they give you if the cougar is actually attacking you. Mm -hmm. If the cougar attacks you, uh, scream, scatter your intestines over a hundred over a hundred yard radius. Don't get eaten. All right. Fantastic. So now we know what to do. Uh-huh. It's 503-733-2970. We leave the program with a little more knowledge than when we came in, didn't we? I suppose. Richie, are these all calls about... about vomiting. Are, are, these, are these all calls about people maiming themselves with fireworks? Yeah, I, I, nah, I, I mean, people should know by now. Yeah, really. We don't, we don't need to offer any tips. <laughs> if the firework explodes in your hands, yell loudly. Run around the house screaming. Wave blood everywhere. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So let's move on to other things. Scare children with your stump. Ten ships are coming in for the uh, Rose Festival, and that means banks and bus delays up to 15 minutes. Oh, Actually, God, minimum, today? No, to, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, hooray. So that's tomorrow and Thursday. Uh, four ships will come in uh, Wednesday, four ships Thursday, and the final two will arrive uh, late Thursday. So uh, the max lines are going to drop off riders at the old town Chinatown Rose Quarter. Shuttle buses will... Oh, this sounds so convenient. Uh, shuttle buses with all kinds of sweaty people and no air conditioning will take you where you want to go. It's like traveling in a sweat sock filled with fat. Mm -hmm. Talk about duct tape. Here's a reminder of the new rules concerning making your territory along the Rose Festival's Grand Floral Parade for Saturday. No duct tape at all. There might be some already out there, so they're going to be taking it down. Now, if you try to camp out more than 24 hours before the 10 a.m. event, the old face of $100 fine for the first offense, and $500 for each one after that. Wait, so so this is for the Rose Parade? The Grand Floral Parade. The Grand Floral Parade. There enough parades already. I'm, I'm getting that confused. What what did we just have happen over the weekend? The one that tied up all the traffic Saturday night. That was the Starlight Parade? Perhaps so. All right, so this is the one that up until last year, people would go, and then they would take duct tape, and then they would mark down the spots where they were going to be sitting, right? And leave right? their lawn furniture out days before. Right, and then uh, I think it was, was it the Mercury? 
God bless him. God, whoever it was, they were genius. I think it might have been William Humphrey the Mercury, but I could be wrong about that. So I apologize if I'm sort of giving credit to the wrong person. Oh, yeah, Squid took a ton of pictures for that thing, too. I remember he went down for it. Yeah, the Mercury, I think, was they were the ones, they were like the big brigade to go down and remove the duct tape. Because I was sort of hoping for a big drunken riot to ensue, and it didn't really happen. So I was, my desires were thwarted there. Um, but so if you put duct tape down, the man will come by and find you? Yes. Excellent. Uh, the anything goes attitude is no longer going this year. The new ordinance makes it unlawful to paint, tape, or otherwise mark public property or place objects in the right of way for the purpose of reserving the space for the parade event. Starting today, code enforcers will be providing uh, the uh, parade route with patrols at least once a day, ripping up any tape they find, ripping up any chalk marks. Excellent. How do you rip up a chalk That's mark? great because people were so worked up last year like, it's our right, but no, it's not your but right It's really anymore. not because it's public property. Yeah, they're I mean, gonna, and they're going to take your chairs even if they're chained <laughs> up. Excellent. And take your chairs and, well, you know, here, but here, but, give them to the poor. But wouldn't you be astounded if there were any chairs even left to take? Because what have we had every single day for the past month is stories about meth users going and, I mean, they took apart the entire playground set in Kelso. Uh, so if you're going to leave a bunch of metallic lawn chairs chained up downtown, you got to know that those are, I mean, Matthew has just come out like so many, uh, like so many scout ants in the middle of the night and just come and take everything, I would imagine. So, all right, well, if you do that, you get what's coming to you. So they're going to take away your chairs and rub out any chunk marks in your face. anything else. <laughs> uh, oh, to make the wait more comfortable for those uh, camping out during the final 24 hours to save a spot. I guess you can camp out in the final 24 hours. Imagine how empty your life is that you're going and ca- saving a space on a sidewalk to watch something drive by later. But to be fair, I mean, we all watched parades when we were little. But see, I don't remember ever going to see a parade oh, except on television. You had a joyless childhood. <laughs> it's true. Seriously, well, yeah, we'd get there early and we'd sit there at the 4th of July parade with our little star-shaped sunglasses and wave at all the floats going by. It was It's a really happy childhood memory for <laughs> so me. Do you suppose it is, it is a kid thing, though? It is a thing mm-hmm. that, is, that is... Well, I mean, but if it's like, you know, some ass grown-up who's just like, oh, I need to, <laughs> you know, show my face full of donuts and watch little children walk by, you know, go by on floats. That's one thing. That's creepy. I uh, I, I don't... could go expose myself at Big Lot. Go expose myself at Big Lot. <laughs> that's the worst phrase I've ever heard. Well, well somebody in Vancouver, that's like a day in the country. <laughs> I said, but not oh, any Big Lots. The one in the Loa. Ted, what are you going to do today? I'm going to go expose myself at Big Lots, but I should buy home by around before if you want to watch Nashville now. Uh... So, so in any event, I don't remember, I don't remember ever going to a parade when I was a kid. Uh, maybe I didn't. I just don't remember it. Maybe, or maybe I went, and even then, it didn't really appeal to me. Although, when I think about it, I'm sure that I didn't because I can't even imagine what kind of parade they would have had in goddamn Kennewick. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even fathom what sort of a parade they might have had in my hometown. I mean, unless it was one of those weird 1950s celebrating the friendly Adam parade where there's a woman wearing like a mushroom cloud skirt and sort of dancing around. Um, all right. Well, in any event. Because you must have gone them because you grew up in like little hick towns like me, didn't you? Yeah. I think I went to parades when I lived in Spokane, but I think it was always just like a radio employee there. I don't think I really went to parades growing up as a kid. We support you, Spokane. Um, if you're attacked by a shark, says this email... Punch it in the nose or grab its gills. How are you supposed to do these things? How are you supposed to grab the gills of a great white shark? By the way, a cougar, a mountain lion, and a puma are all the same thing, by the way. Different names for the same animal. Uh, Speaking of sharks, we've also got this. Rick, to add to your fear of all watery-based beings, great white sharks are the only sharks that are able to stand the cold temperatures of the northern Pacific, meaning that's what we have off the coast of Oregon, Rick. Great white sharks. Have fun. Thank you. All right. Um... 
Are they, Richie, uh, hold on a second here. Let's, uh, let's just do it real quickly. Wait, hold on. You have your choice, Sarah. I can either bring Richie in with that sound or with the vomit sound. The vomit sound. All right. Richie Bristol, will you please join us in the uh, studio? Thank you so much. All right. Uh, Richie Bristol, our intrepid, uh, intrepid PA, joining us. Intepid. <laughs> what was that? I can't really talk today. I don't know why. I've had exactly the right amount of caffeine. Uh, I didn't really eat anything today, but that's okay. There are many days that I don't eat. I don't. I'll just sort of lose track of time and realize it's been a, a day since I've had anything. But so I, I am sort of. I have this sort of weird, um, low grade like sort of aphasia going on in my head. How are you today, Richie? I'm good. All right. So now I didn't. Now I don't mean to do, do poke into a personal topic, but you said that. So so you were injured. By a firework. My face. Now, is that because you've got, I didn't know if it was a scar or just something you were born with or just sort of like, you're, no. it was just sort of like a discoloration or whatever. Is that a scar? Yeah, I blew a hole in my cheek. Wow. With what what is it with you and holes in your cheeks? I man? was uh, mixing potassium and nitrate at the age of 12. Check coin six. <laughs> I was on coin six. They did an interview of me. I was I mixing what, potassium and nitrogen, making potassium nitrate. And basically, it, wait, let's back up. What is potassium nitrate? It's what's in dynamite. Oh, Richie. So you were making homemade dynamite? Uh, theoretically, there was this guy that was making M800s and selling them at the age of 12. Um. <laughs> you, well, you were 12. You were underage. Doesn't matter. You can admit to it now. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, wait. So you, at the age of 12, were manufacturing and selling homemade dynamite? Yeah. To who? Got in big trouble. I, I would who imagine. Who buys dynamite? Who uh, buys dynamite from People you? that blow up bases at the baseball field? I don't know. So you were known... In whatever town, you were known as the dynamite guy. Uh, yeah. Did yeah. you have, like, a roadside stand? <laughs> right next to the lemonade. <laughs> dynamite, 50 cents, also blueberries. No, I sold to a cop once. You sold dynamite to a cop? Yeah. Let me... I, <laughs> Sarah, can you take over for a second? got to get my head around this. Well, we learn something new every day, and then he was also... Richie's been sending me the greatest series of emails between oh, no. him and a girl that... I don't. I don't even know how to start this. Well, let's continue with the dynamite. Okay, segment. We're so, the dynamite. okay, so you were on Channel Six as a what not to do story. How is it yeah. that you got into the dynamite selling business? Uh, back in the eighties, you could actually buy uh, fertilizer over the counter. That was That's like before Tim McVeigh, ninety percent nitrate. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Because Tim McVeigh, I mean, uh, people think I'm making a joke about it. But Tim McVeigh used fertilizer to blow up the to, to blow up the the Alfred P. Murrah building in Oklahoma City. Yeah, That's was, what they used as fertilizer. And so that because of Tim McVeigh. It's hard to buy large amounts of fertilizer, I think, because people were using it to blow stuff up. Or even fireworks. Even on the reservations, you can't get big fireworks anymore. So so how did you get it Cookbook. into your head, though? No, 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 but I mean, yeah, where, yeah, but where, where, from, where did the from? idea come? That, you know, like, you know, I could get a paper route. Uh, I could mow lawns. I could sell dynamite to children. Well, it started with pounding uh, piccolo peats. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, I know what, oh, I know what you're talking about, Richie. Well... Uh, Piccolo Pete is that's one of those little whistly fireworks, right? Yeah. But I had a job at the gun club where they, you know, they say pull and they, go, and they you know, all of your answers just lead to more questions. Well, because I had gunpowder, we went from Piccolo Pete's and then we had gunpowder from shotgun shells, and we would pick up all the because they would so mix so fireworks and gunpowder. You were doing right, the guy thing of taking gunpowder and fireworks and cutting them open and assembling new and more powerful explosives. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then one of your school friends or one of the, the kids you knew said, hey, that's a gr I'd buy one of those? Yeah. And well, one of my friends did it with me. He's in the National Guard now, an explosive specialist. Uh-huh. Crazy. And so then, but then you figured out that you could sell these to, to other kids your age. Yeah. So how much... 
How much could you sell these for? What oh. are you, were you selling M80s or sticks of dynamite? Or? Uh, we had a wide selection from M80s. Here, at, here at Richie's House of Powder. But what the great thing was, like, there was these uh, ponds that froze over. We'd drop them down in there, and it'd blow up all the fish. That's what mostly we were using Oh, my for. God. And so how you much... You know how they track serial killers, right? <laughs> uh, I already saw this, like, dude... So how many, uh, I was just going to say, do we need to have Ben come back in here and talk to you more about your love of explosives as a child? So how uh, how much money did you make selling homemade dynamite? I got me, I had like three bikes, BMX bikes. Would you say you made a few thousand dollars? Uh, I didn't have to pick berries that summer. Well, that's always a plus. Uh, so now, then, so you injured yourself. I blew up a garage and... A- it blew the windows out of all the neighbors' wow. windows and all this stuff, and then the fire department came and the police came, and I was laying in a pool of blood, and then basically I life light all the way to Emmanuel for a fire thing. How how injured were you? Uh, pretty bad. I mean, I got scars all the way up. It, you know. Because I've noticed. I mean, I never asked about it because I thought it was just a thing you were born mm-hmm. with, or maybe it was just a whatever. Uh, but on your on your uh, chin, you've got a small scar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And, and so, it's all over. It's all over you too. Yeah, but I operated on myself. Like, <laughs> I would take a razor and literally cut my skin and squeeze pus out. and Oh, Jesus. And the doctor said I healed well because some things never change. <laughs> Isn't it almost time for commercial? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's it's 1240. I oh, know, but oh. we have to finish the story. Okay. What? Is there breaking news, Tim? No. Oh. So, <laughs> I feel like like there's so much in this story, though. So, you were making homemade dynamite. You blew up by accident. Uh, I guess, of course, by accident. It blew up by accident. It uh-huh. blew out the windows in the garage in a neighbor's garage. No, it blew off the garage doors, but it, it rattled. With, How is it that you're not dead? Uh, because I ran. Because basically, when Did you we, know it was going to blow up? Did you see like, I started, uh-oh. I was sweating because it was hot summer. Uh-huh. And water and potassium, if you put water, salt, and potassium in it, which is your sweat, into potassium, it starts sparking. It goes... Oh, dude. And then it started sparking, like, all over the place in the garage. I'm like, holy moly! And then, so I ran out of the garage, and basically the nitrogen blew up and boom it. so it's you're full on gina davis and long kiss you're goodnight like flying through outrunning. the air like it's a giant no. I woke, john mcclain style i woke up in the neighbor's yard <gasps> in a pool of blood in a pool of blood basically and i couldn't hear nothing airs were ringing and stuff like this and nobody ever called the police the actual fire department heard the explosion and came like they were checking out a big cloud of smoke of and, and so, without being too... You were too, so lucky you didn't kill yourself. Man. Yeah. It was over by Washington and Fairgrounds. Okay. And so, without being too graphic, uh, what kind of injuries did you have? And was it just um, from the actual like explosive, were you, were you or was it from debris? Uh, remember remember my cheek, how puffy yeah. it was? like? It was like that, except it looked like a cabbage. But was it from debris? <laughs> was it from, like... Was it from burning? Glass or, from... or flying wood? Or was it from just the impact of being hit, thrown into the air and hitting the ground? Or do you I even know? They think it's plastic, because... That you could see shrapnel of plastic. So that's yeah. So, so you were just hit by flying shrapnel when it blew yeah, up. But everything that's around amazing. it, everything around it flew too, and it blew cops off of everything and windows and. And so you were interviewed on Coin about this. Yeah, was, was a local boy has learned a painful lesson about. Yeah, it was in the Oregonian, blah blah blah, and then the the different newscasts came to talk to me. Have you ever? I mean, it's got to be archived somewhere. Yeah, I bet you. It was local boy blew himself up or something. Really? And so did they come and interview you in the hospital? Uh, no, at, at home. At home, or you're just sitting there going, I have learned a lesson. You should not, kids, do not be like me. Do not play with dynamite or fire. No, they came and interviewed me. I was like, high on meds. Because <laughs> I remember watching it later, looking at it going, holy, I'm just... Okay. All right. right. Well, clearly now that <laughs> we have to track that down. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Richie. Okay, thank you. All right.
More from Richie Bristol later There's on. There's so much more. Uh, we got to take a break here. We're way behind. So we'll take a break. Tim Riley, have, we'll have more news around the corner. Uh, your phone calls coming up later. Mailman Chris reviews Lego Indiana Jones. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. We'll talk to Dale Robinson from G4's Hurl. And today's top five, top five songs that almost became the Rick Emerson Show opening theme. Stay there. Pointing and laughing. God, that was not the smartest thing I've ever done. Well, time to move past it, Sarah. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, mailman Chris will be here to review uh, Lego Indiana Jones. We'll speak with him on the phone. We have also got um, today's top five coming up. Top five songs that were almost the Rick Emerson Show opening theme. And Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. This is Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, Richie. I'm looking at the phones here. Uh, I think we're going to pass on any more firework injuries. We might bring that back as we get closer to the 4th of July. I think Richie kind of has the the all-time uh, explosive injury story. So we're going to, uh, if you're on hold here, well, uh, I think we're going to move on. We don't need all the festive stories today. <laughs> from we're, we're going to leave the whole, and then my buddy blew off his jaw by holding a bunch of Piccolo Pete's. I think we're going to move on from that. So thanks so much, though. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so this just in, a Florida judge has denied a request by Hulk Hogan's son to be set free from jail until his 18th birthday, seeking return to be part of the general population. Nick Bolia is just 17 and is serving eight months after pleading guilty to the charges of reckless driving. This is from an accident last August that left the friend severely brain damaged. Because he is a juvenile, he's being kept isolated from the rest of the inmates at the Pinellas County Jail and caused the solitary conditions unbearable. Jail is supposed to be fun. Here's a lawyer filed a paperwork asking to release him so he can come back. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. See the judge. <laughs> no, get bent. No. You can't really set the time when you enjoy being there and when you don't. That's not the way jail works. I grow weary of this incarceration and desire the sweet nectar of freedom. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. This email says, is Richie a real person or is he some sort of performance artist you've hired to fill in for Scotty J's drunken smarmy shoes? I have to, I get probably four or five emails a week from people who don't believe that Richie's a real person. Uh, they think that we've somehow uh, concocted him. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, it, it, Richie is all, everything you hear from Richie is legitimate. And we um, are always surprised. You just told me something about him an hour ago that I didn't know. I just, and we almost have to sort of, we almost have to throttle ourselves. Because uh, I, have, I have so many things we could talk about right now, but we're just going to pace ourselves. Well, we'll do, uh, we'll do another one maybe later on in the program. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So the latest from Hillary Clinton's people. Hillary Clinton has told congressional colleagues she would be open to becoming Barack Obama's vice president, saying she would consider it if it would help Democrats win the White House. Now, she made the comment in a conference call to other New York lawmakers this morning. Now, earlier today, the AP reports that Obama has enough delegates to clinch the nomination. That's AP's call. NBC and CNN are staying away from that totally. Well, and Dick Giuliano was, as I said earlier, he's sort of very careful not to say that. But it is, I mean, it's sort of strange for the AP to just go out and, I mean, because they're not saying uh, that it's possible or that it's likely or that it seems uh, that it seems conceivable. The APs are sort of saying that he's got it locked up, right? Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, so then we have our campaign manager, Terry McAuliffe, telling the Today Show that she's not going to throw in the towel tonight. We just came off a huge win in Puerto Rico, in Kentucky before that, in West Virginia. Is this what you're really holding on to? magic number. We're going to continue to fight. A win in Kentucky? 17 and a half million people. But Terry, but Terry, Senator. 
<laughs> like that's the end of the clip. Yes. <laughs> but Terry, Terry, Terry you're living in the dream world. Terry. <laughs> but Terry, <laughs> but Terry, Terry you're Terry, making Terry, this up. Terry just clings to his belief. <laughs> he has received more votes now, more than any candidate ever running for president on either side. Literally almost 18 million people. It has been a heroic race. We've been in this for 17 months. When you get the number, we'll get the number. But we're not there yet, and we're still fighting and still going forward until someone gets the number. That's so sad. Don't you picture as they're playing that cut, don't you picture him being in an office where the movers are in, are coming in and sort of taking out the desk? Like he's sort of sitting there as people are taking down the drapes and the paintings from behind him and putting them into boxes. Jesus. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother to ask you if that thing is true about her getting the biggest number of popular votes, because I, 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 mean, I guess I don't have the information in front of me, but I mean, doesn't that seem like something he's just making up? Probably. <laughs> At this point, what does it matter? <laughs> Oh no! I mean, if you take it as read that she's that she's about finished, that everything is going to be washed up, I guess you might as well go out. We've gotten 45 billion votes. I have the numbers in front of me. That's what Paul Begala tells me. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it is. It's interesting though that she's still mad that she's still going out. You're just as smarmy and defiant as she ever was. Well, I might consider the vice presidential nomination if it were offered to me. And the fact that you're clinging to the fact that you won Kentucky and Puerto Rico, for the love of God. Um, I mean, first of all, Kentucky, which is just, uh, I, I mean, it's like a, it's like a whole state where the, where the, where like the, the economy is based on beef jerky. Yeah. And then you've got Puerto Rico and I didn't, I hate to sound like an ugly American here, but I didn't think they could vote. Well, they could have not won. I guess. I mean, because what, isn't that the deal you always hear about Puerto Rico is that they are taxed without being, without being well, represented? It's a, it's a territory like Guam. But I thought, I thought the deal with Puerto Rico was... That it was sort of sort of a raw deal because we taxed them and they had to uh, sign up for the military for military service, but we're not allowed to vote. But maybe I am thinking of well, no, because there was an election in Guam too. Mm -hmm. All right, well, whatever. They can sign up for it. They're just not like real Americans. That's the opinion of CBS News. They can pretend that they are. So they're sort of a. Are they Americans? And is is Puerto Rico? Is it sort of like a territory? uh, Is it? But is it like an American state with training wheels? Yes, but they don't want to become an American state. (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. Why not? Well, for one thing, we won it in the Spanish-American War. Just like a door prize? Yes. Like some sort of a... <laughs> and we got Cuba, too. In the well, Spanish- we, Cuba. we won it in the Spanish-American War. Yeah. Like, I'm just sort of picturing... Uh, all right, uh, winning number is 782. Is there a 782? 782, and in the back there's American. That's me, I'm 782. Hold on. They use it to test weapons. Puerto Rico? Yeah. Is that like how they use the bikini atoll to test weapons? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, oh, no they, they, they allow them to stay there. <laughs> well, we're it, it's wonderful. And here's a handful of beads. Now, look the other way for a moment. Get on the boat and eat hot dogs and shake your tush. Excellent. Chief, you tell your people. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, Rick, I would I would suggest that instead of uh, taping our spots this year for for the parade, we use your picture to mark our spots. Okay. Uh, in the hope that maybe the city stormtroopers will come by and wipe that smug mar- smug face off every picture of your your post that's spread around this great wide world. Wait, were you? I think it was. I'm unclear about how you were how you were trying to go with this call. Were you aiming for comedy? Because well, no, you sort of fumbled it regardless. Every, but every picture, every picture of you I see, you just have this smug look. I'd like to actually. Could you post your wedding pictures? I'm sorry. Could you post your wedding pictures? Well, probably not. But why? Uh, I, I would just like to see if, it, if that's when it started. 
Wait, so this is, I'm unclear about whether this call is an attempt to be a critique angry. Or, or whether it's an attempt to be comedy. Seriously, dude, why are you calling? Like, what, what, you calling to, like, make fun of the way Rick smiles in pictures? Fine, page two. Um, dude, no. No, hold on, hold on. No, I'm, still okay. back on I'm still back on page one. Wait, Which, but you're not smug. You may be a lot of things, no, but I'm, you're not smug. I'm smarmy, but I'm not smug. I'm trying to figure out if this was a critique or your no, attempt at comedy. I really want to know. We are posting new pictures soon. It's a critique of me. It's a, it's a what? Critique of me. Now that's an attempt at a joke, isn't it? Do you feel it was truly funny? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing on the inside. Uh-huh. Now you seem like you're laughing on the outside, too. No one else is laughing anywhere. Why do you let people like that speak? Well, because you hope that at some point it's going to become amusing. No, because that's that guy waited on hold for 47 minutes to just get up there and fumble his insult, his poorly worded insult at you. Well, that's why I couldn't tell if he was trying to be funny. I'm no, tired of poorly worded insult. That was <laughs> a good one. Yeah, I mean, if, you've like, got... if you're gonna if you're gonna say it, and if you have 47 minutes to wait you online, can practice. Like... Maybe even write it down. On a doodle pad. I mean, I'm not really, I know that, see, here's the weird dynamic about this, is that you always get way more irritated at those guys than I do. Well, like, I just don't feel like, like you need to waste your time or the listener's time by letting some ass like that to have his moment on the radio. I just sort of wanted to parse through it and to find out what he was trying to do, because I couldn't, like, clearly he's a listener. But he wasn't, but obviously he wasn't listening to you, because, like, when you were trying to talk to him, he's like, page two. And it's like right. he wasn't even like listening to what you were saying. Like when he started off the thing, and you are right that I'm like this. Screen. I'd rather listen to people in Kansas vomit. He waited. <laughs> over over <and> over. <laughs> I mean, me too. Then listen to that guy. Yeah. He, he waited an inordinate amount of time, and so I was thinking, well, he must have some legitimate reason. I thought maybe it was an actual critique of perhaps how he feels I look in photographs. But then I could be asking poster wedding pictures. But then I but then I couldn't figure out. But then I couldn't figure out if he was if like he was just trying to sort of amuse us and amuse the audience, but to sort of you know give us a gag. But the material with which he chose to work was my picture. But then I couldn't really tell because as you're right, he fumbled it like twice in a row right out of the gate. I don't know what picture was being referred to. I don't know. So I was giving him like another run at it to try to be funny, and then it just all. And I think he could tell that it was going poorly because he tried to pull the ripcord about having to page two. And then at the end, he just sort of hung I up in the I am kind of curious what was on page two, because page one was gold. By the way, and, you, and, as, and as you will note, sir, if you're still listening, and I know you are, uh, that if you ever uh, just make a comment like that and then hang up, then the last comment always gets dumped, which is why you didn't hear it on the air. So, like, if you, if you make the comment and then hang up, the comment gets bleeped. That's your penalty. You the, yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't respect That's, you enough. That is your penalty for being a pussy. So We hate you. <laughs> What's wrong with us? He I'm, said smugly. It's just like there's so much negativity in the world. Why do you have to sit online like a like a jerk, you know, on hold like a jerk for an hour? It's no life. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm really, really worried that I'm going to be an ass now. No, seriously. I, you know what? Here's the thing is, you can be an ass. I uh, remember that guy that called about a week and a half ago, and the only reason I remember it is because Carl Click of all people sent me an email about it. Remember that guy I called like a week and a half ago, and he was angry that I wasn't talking more about gas. Yes. He's like, Rick, you got to use your show to find a solution for the gas, and the guy, he was just a dick, and he just and tiresome, and but we didn't, you know, like I didn't yell at him or hang up. I just sort of let him continue unspooling. And then eventually his call just sort of fell apart into, into pieces on the air, and then he kind of ran away. And so that's the way I always sort of deal with those things. I'm just always kind of curious to see where it's going. So it's not even that the guy was really an ass. There was just, 
there seemed to be no actual content to the call, and what content was there was executed poorly. And I wanted to give him another chance, and then he kind of fumbled the second chance as well. Ah, uh, what's up? Well, I know that you guys have kind of moved on from the uh, the fireworks thing. Yes. Um, but I was uh, I went to culinary school here at Western uh, about eight years ago. This doesn't involve a firework, but it does involve an explosion. There was a kid that was uh, working at uh, on a deep fryer station and accidentally leaned over his cigarette lighter, fell into the fryer. Oh, that's no good. And instead of backing away, he decided he wanted to fish it out. <laughs> that's great in a Homer Simpson oh, kind of way. Boy. Yes. So, anyway, that's all I got. Best show ever. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I was just going to tell you, it's not that uh, Puerto Rico can't vote in elections, It's and you know, same for Washington, D.C., and the other territories. It's that they don't have senators or representatives. Now, somebody told complaint. me, somebody told me, and this may or may not be right, somebody told me that they can vote in the primaries but not in the general election. Well, I don't have that much information. All right, so I'll have to look at that. They don't, but they do not have congressional representation is what you're saying? Right. That's that's the complaint for Washington D.C. Also, because they have you know a very large and significant population, but as far as they don't have senators, they don't have representatives, so they don't you know their city doesn't have a say in you know. All right. So they so they get to so they get taxed. They have to serve in the military, and they can kind of vote. They just don't actually get a say in anything. They don't get they don't get the same swing that the other states have as far as. Uh, legislation and all that. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right, we'll do uh, one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how are you? What's up? Well, uh, I was just going to say what the other guy did. Uh, they um, they can seat delegates and they can vote in the primaries, but they cannot vote in the general, general election. All right. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Here's oh. Tim Riley. A little bit of breaking news here. That goat has been reunited with his family. Thanks, Tim. The goat <laughs> who rode the TriMet bus by itself, who hopped aboard bus number 14 at the corner of Southeast 94th and Southeast Foster. He was taken to Multnomah County Animal Services after riding for free. By the way, here's the thing you have to know is that Tim is staring at the screen more intently than he has stared at the screen all week long. The goat has been reunited with his family. The goat's name is Poppy. He was a recent guest to a Southeast Portland resident. It's unclear how Poppy got out of her gate. He is taking a whole day in stride, however, happily home, chopping on hay. You are just, your eyes are narrowed with the utmost concentration Once right again, now. Once again, Poppy the goat has been reunited with her owner. Hi, you're on the Rick Jefferson radio program. Hey, Rick, it's Dwight. Hello. Hi, Tim, sir. Hello. Uh, to Keller Dick, that moron that called about your smugness, that... The picture that you guys took for the listener party, Yes. me and some other uh, Delivery Nation brothers were looking at that thing and thinking, you know, that thing could be a poster for a movie. Uh, if it was an album cover, I'd buy it. A book, it could be a TV would... series promo. It, there was so much there. It, it There were a thousand stories to it. I would it say, actually, beautiful. it's probably the best photograph of us that's ever been taken. And I would, it might be, it might be the best picture of me, of myself that I've ever had taken. Cause I just don't, uh, I just don't really photograph well. I always kind of have a weird, like, uh, and Sarah has sort of seen this pain when it, like we'll have somebody in the studio with us, you know, like we'll have, you know, like what musician or whoever comes to town and we get our photos taken with them. And, this, you know, somebody's always, okay, everybody smile. And it's like, I don't really do the smiling thing very well. And in fact, speaking of, uh, speaking of that guy's observations about, about my face. So, 
We just got, today, we were looking at our new batch of headshots, and everybody kind of went, we got some headshots taken a few weeks ago, just individual, like, face shots. And we were going through this morning, and everybody was kind of picking out the, the, the pictures that they liked the best. Right. And so the guy has, you know, when they take your photo, the guy, you know, has you go through the whole gamut. He's like, hey, one where you're smiling. Now look intense. Now look up here at, you know, at my hand. Now look at the floor and arch one eyebrow. And it's like you're running through the whole, it's just this, this whole rigmarole of facial expressions. And, of course, right. the ones in which I look the weirdest are the ones in which I am trying to look happy or smiling in any way. Because it's right. just the most unnatural facial, facial expression on me. Um, yeah, but yeah, that I, photograph is like the best thing that's ever been taken. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And it, I mean, I really mean that. It, it, it really spurned a lot of discussion amongst some of the guys that were standing uh, stage right. Yeah, we actually have a sort of a blown-up version of that that they've put in the studio now. Which uh, we're, Yeah, the 8.5 by 11 was, cut, was cropped at the yeah. bottom, actually. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, hey, I got cut off yesterday right at the end. I drove under I-5, and I lost my signal. I was going to tell you who Obama's running me should be. Which is? Uh, his name is Jim Webb. He's a senator from Virginia. And he was the Secretary of the Navy under Ronald Reagan, switched parties. He has a son in Iraq. If he names this guy, he'll win for sure. Well, all right. Thank you. Because we'll, there's we'll, parts we'll, of this country that won't vote for Obama because of the military thing, and that will solve it. That's, uh, you, here's what you got to do. You write that down, seal it, and sign an envelope. Uh, and then if it comes to pass, you will look like a genius, sir. Well, you heard it. All right. Thank you. Good day. All right, have a good day. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Meanwhile, Hillary's senior advisor, Maria Caldoner, says by all accounts, Hillary should get the Democratic nomination. She has won more votes. She has won more delegates than Senator Obama. And she is ahead in the popular vote. She's tenacious. She will stand up for everyone every day that she's in the White House. Again, she is not stopping this fight. She'll continue to battle onward. I can't confirm that she is going to throw in the towel. Right now, Senator Obama does not have the nomination. He does not have the delegates necessary to claim the nomination. Look, I, I mean, you know that I was sort of rooting for Hillary because it would make everybody angry. I mean, now more than ever. But, I mean, there comes a point when it just it's just retarded. You know what I mean? When it just sounds stupid. And I think we have reached, I think that point has been reached. I think the line of retarded demarcation has been arrived at. So you just got to uh, you got to give it up. By the way, it's worth noting that these are all Hillary's people that are sort of saying this. And at no point is Hillary herself making any of these comments, because I think even Hillary, as deluded as she has been over the last six weeks or so, knows how ridiculous it would sound for her to say anything like that. Uh, meanwhile, Hillary's campaign is apologizing for Bill Clinton calling a reporter a scumbag. <laughs> You know, that used to be one of the words you couldn't say on the radio a long time oh, you ago. you can now. Yeah. Uh, the article in Vanity Fair is written by Todd Purdom. It suggests that Bill Clinton's personality has changed following his open-heart surgery, saying that he's seeing a lot of women on the road. How is that a personality change? Apparently, he's seeing a lot of women on the road, according to this article, written by Todd Purdom, who is married to D.D. Myers. Wait, what do you mean he's seeing a lot of women on the road? That's what it says. You mean seeing a lot of women on the road as he's out sort of campaigning and trying to get everybody to vote for Hillary regardless of gender? Or do you mean he's seeing a lot of women on the road? Apparently, uh, one of these aides called an intervention after reports of philandering. Uh-huh. So, uh... Yeah, and Bill uh, Clinton called him a scumbag. <laughs> no, there was a time I think up until I think up until the the, the early '80s, I think you were not. Uh, it wasn't like against the law, but I think at radio stations you couldn't say the word scumbag. Uh, I remember reading. I remember reading at one point. I think it was one of the early contracts that Howard Stern had signed with WNBC where actually uh, people think that there's sort of a list of words that the government forbids, which there isn't. There is no – people think there's the 730 words, that there's there's a list. And people go, hey, is this word on the list of things you can't say? And there is no list. 
which has sort of been exhaustively described at this point. There is, there is no list in existence, which makes it so difficult. Um, but Howard Stern himself, I think, had an agreement with WNBC that did, in fact, list out several terms you couldn't use. And that was one of them, because somebody at one point, some blue hair had complained about it. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, what's coming up uh, later on. This hour, mailman Chris will join us on the phone to talk about Lego Indiana Jones, which hits stores uh, today. He has the first review of that. I think you can also read his review at geekinthecity.com. Later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, we'll be talking to Dale Robinson uh, from uh, G4, who will talk about the new show Hurl and Season 2 of Code Monkeys, uh, plus the top five. Here's Tim Riley. Now, Vice President Dick Cheney actually smiled today. He, he was seen smiling. And he was issued an apology about the joke he made that was considered to be in poor taste. He was speaking at the National Press Club when he made a quip about his uh, lineage, or where he came from. So I had Cheney's on both sides of the family, and we don't even live in West Virginia. <laughs> but <laughs> you can say those things when you're not running for re-election. Wow. And he looked like a kindly old man. <laughs> I'll eat your insides. He... Uh, you know, he's one of those guys, though, that, as they say, as um, as Martin Sheen says about Robert Duvall's character in Apocalypse Now, when there's that great sequence of, of, of Robert Duvall walking along, and I forget, to the beach or whatever, but he's walking along with no shirt, and there's explosions happening all around him, and mortar rounds happening within six inches of him, and Martin Sheen just says, he was one of those guys, you just knew he was going to get through this whole thing without a scratch. You just know that about Dick Cheney, right? Of everybody yeah. in the Bush administration, uh, he's the guy who's got the billion-dollar consulting job already lined up and will not have to worry about whatever he does in the future. Everybody else in that sinking ship is just going to be gone down in disgrace, but not Dick Cheney. Uh, Senator Ted Kennedy is recovering from his brain surgery. He's wandering around the hallways of the hospital, laughing and joking with anyone who will listen. His uh, hand-picked surgeon, Dr. Alan Friedman, called the three-hour procedure a success. He is uh, the chief operating guy at Duke University. He's known for tackling surgeries that colleagues considered too risky. He was profiled on uh, 60 Minutes some uh, six months ago. The majority of the patients that I see... When we sit down with them and we give them the motto that we stand by, which is a Duke, there is hope. You know what I don't understand? Here's a thing that they say a lot or the people, a phrase that people will use. And I don't really understand what it means when people will say, like, if somebody's got cancer or somebody has uh, whatever, they get the, the, the Parkinson's or something. And they'll say, look, I want you to go see Dr. Vinnie Boomba because, uh, look, he's the best. What does that even mean when somebody says that the doctor is the best at something? A celebrity has had an operation with this person. I mean, is that is that is that how they arrive at that? Pretty much. Because 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 when they say, well, no, no, this is, he is the very best cancer doctor in the country. It's not like being the best painter in the country or being like the best lead guitar player that Pink Floyd ever had. I mean, those are sort of amorphous concepts. Don't doctors all learn out of the same set of books? Am I wrong about this? Is there some? I suppose that some are smarter than others. Is they are dealing with. Other patients better than others. But, I mean, is there some secret set of medical scrolls or whatever that the very best doctors get to look at and the other doctors don't? Don't doctors all study the same things? How can one doctor really be better than another doctor? Well, it's, I think it's kind of like how some students are better than other students. Like, maybe they're just m more well-schooled in what they do. I but. I mean, would you go to a doctor who graduated from, like, Clackamas Community College as opposed to someone who went to Harvard? Well, maybe, but that might be a false distinction that you're making there, Tim Riley. I'm just, but I guess one of my points is that they all, like, they all get this, you know, they all have to pass the same tests, and they all have to study the same things, and they all study out of the same textbooks, and they all have more or less the same degrees hanging behind them. It's just one of the, I just wonder if that's a little bit of PR, you know, that's marketing on the on the behalf of doctors. If doctors themselves... 
they if they hire people to sort of you know to get some reputation out there that they are in fact the best doctor in the field. So it's just one of those things I worry about. Oh, by the way, so somebody is saying here this is in Vanity Fair. Somebody, have you heard who Bill Clinton is is purportedly dating? No. This is, and I am not saying this is true. By the way, this is me. Follow it now. This is me quoting the L.A. Times and the L.A. Times blog at that, who are in turn quoting Vanity Fair, who in turn says that Bill Clinton is dating who? Barbara Walters. No. No, don't be absurd. No. <laughs> don't be absurd. No. We're don't, talking about who Bill Clinton's dating. Don't, be, don't be absurd. Don't be, don't be ridiculous. Um, I don't know. Let's um, see. Uh, so we've got this. Vanity Fair links Bill Clinton to actress blank. Renee Zellweger. No. See, Tatum O'Neill. I don't know. Nope. It's like you're getting frustrated. So I don't even know. Because like old, because young. Or, hint. Yeah. So you should ask me a clarifying question. Oh, you know I'm not good at this. Is she old? We have this discussion every week and a half because she I try to get you guys hair? to play 20 questions. Yes, she does. And then it never works. <gasps> Is it Kristen Davis? No. Oh. No, see, you're doing that thing again where you ask one question and then you you go right to the answer. You don't, um, you don't like any of the questions. Is she in any movies I like? Yes. Well, she's in the movies you've seen. How do I put this? Simply she's in a camp classic. A camp classic with brown hair. She has brown hair, at least in this photo, and every time I've ever seen her, she's had brown hair. And she has, she's in a camp or kitsch classic. It's not PJ Souls. No. No. But that's a camp classic. No, but that's a great reference right there, PJ Souls. Brown hair. I wish somebody linked me to actress like, PJ Souls. Camp or kitsch? Can I put that out right now? Rick Emerson has been romantically linked with actress PJ Souls. Is it a comedy? Also Ruth, also Ruth Buzzy. What? Is it a comedy? I'm totally going to put that out. Rick Emerson has been romantically linked to actress Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> I'm pu- Seriously, I'm putting that out right now. Right now, we're going to start spreading the start spreading this rumor. Rick Emerson has been romantically linked with actress Ruth Buzzy. Do it, do it now. Take that and do with it what you will. Find a smug-looking photograph of me and Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> right. Um, is it like a comedy? Can I just go back for one second well, about can, the, the dick that called earlier? Question. No, I wasn't going to dwell. But can I tell you the irony? Of course, is that the guy who was calling up and talking about my smug photographs could he himself? Have been more a picture of stumbling smugness. Anyway, all right. I don't know what photo he's referring to anyway. Bill Clinton, linked to actress blank, star of a recent camp classic. A recent camp classic. Within, I mean, it came out. You know, it's within the last ten, twelve years. Okay, with brown hair. Does she have a the fame? Has she had a like famous significant other? No. Brown hair. Truthfully speaking, I thought she played for the other team. Oh. Hmm. Tim, do you want to ask questions? This is pointless. Did I take guess? You thought she was a lesbian. She. I at one. I at one point I operated under the assumption that she uh, was at least. You know, well, what kind of movie was it? Was it a comedy, a horror? It a... was allegedly a drama, unintentionally a comedy. Elizabeth Berkley. No. Oh. Close though. Close. A drama that turned out to be hilarious. It was in t- it was supposed to be a drama. It was unintentionally a comedy. It became a kitschy camp classic, and she was in it. And now, Bill Clinton is uh, apparently a put. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Bill Clinton's into her. I have no. Do you idea. give up? Yes, I give up. Gina Gershon. Oh, see, well, see I how was close you were with oh, Elizabeth Berkeley. No, but see, didn't you always sort of think that Gina Gershon was a lesbian? I mean, I sort of just... I kind of thought so. I mean, I I thought now, I may be making this up, but I thought at one point that she'd been interviewed about that. 
Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I thought that she had been interviewed by Playboy magazine uh, about that. And again, it's not true. I take it back. But maybe I'm also thinking that because she was in that movie Bound, uh, where she was, uh, I think she was all gay in the movie Bound and whatnot. And then again in Showgirls. And then I thought that she had been interviewed in Playboy where she talked about that. Well, in any event. Yeah, I really, she must be played for both teams. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, so um, apparently uh, Vanity Fair has a whole story about how Bill Clinton has been linked to actress Tina Gershon, just like I, Rick Emerson, have been romantically linked to actress uh, Ruth Buzzy. Uh, let's do a couple of these, and we'll talk to mailman Chris about Lego Indiana Jones and some more news here. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Uh, yeah, white doctors are called the best. Yeah. Uh, it's because they're the top in their field. Like, if you want a Jarvik cart, you don't go to Dr. Smith. You go to Dr. Jarvik. You know, they've done, yeah, all the same studying, but because they are risk-takers, they uh, they go further. Do you want a doctor that's a risk-taker, though, really? I no. mean, all things considered? Hey, if, it, if it's dead or alive, then what's the point? Well, I guess, that's, I guess that's a fair point. So you're saying that in your understanding, when somebody says that a doctor is, quote, the best in their field at something, it's because they're not really constrained by the man's rules about how they ought to treat a tumor. They still are, but they are a little bit more artistic in their thinking. They don't just do what everybody else does. They, All right. They play fast and loose with the rules. <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully drunk or high. They're sort of the Tom Cruise maverick of the uh, like oncology world, where everybody else is content to be goose. There it is, cold trickle. They are the cold right. trickle of the doctor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, the, uh, the scumbag observation. Yeah. Hey. It cracks me up because I kept thinking about the, I think it was the pilot episode of WKRP, uh-huh. when they explained how Johnny Fever got to Cincinnati. It's because he said the word booger on Absolutely. the radio. As he put, uh, maybe I'll play that tomorrow as our beginning of show clip. Uh, the, funny, as, the funny thing is, is that I think at that time, saying booger on the air was still kind of taboo because he pronounces it booger. Yeah, it was kind of edgy, actually. If you remember if you remember the, the, that episode, that is the pilot episode where WKR fl- uh, WKRP flips from an easy listening or music of your life station to a rock format, and he does that thing of putting on the sunglasses and saying booger, like really sort of like defiantly. So at that booger. time, it might have still been sort of a, it might have been out there in terms of comedy. Hey, and, I, and another thing on the, on the doctors, the community colleges, yeah. I wonder if going to a doctor at a community college would be kind of like getting your hair cut at the beauty salon at the, beauty, at the community college. I suppose, although so, several people have now, I mean, have now observed that, you know, there's the guy who finishes first in his class, the guy who finishes absolute dead freaking last, but they're still called doctor, both of the, them. So The ones that get the, uh, their, uh, their um, doctor's license in Haiti. <laughs> I'm uh, from the Virgin Islands. All right, thank you. <laughs> Yep. All right. Um, we'll do uh, more news here in just a moment. Coming up later on, uh, we'll be talking to Dale Robinson of G4 to talk about Season 2 of Code Monkeys and the new show Hurl. Tim Riley continues in just a moment. This, however, is our good friend, uh, Mailman Chris, joining us on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Rick, my friend, I am so glad you're not dead. Thank you. How was Death Clock last night, by the way? Oh, man. I still, My ears are still bleeding. Uh, that was... Uh, I never thought a cartoon band could get that that impressive. They sold out the representation. That's where I, I've heard from some other people who went last night, uh, and they, they said that it was just, they said it was unbelievable. The guy said he didn't know what to expect, but that it just blew his mind. I mean, the mosh pit for the band that preceded uh, Chimera, yeah. that was that was insane. I saw them take a guy out on a backboard or a stretcher or something, you know, and uh, and then, and then you know, there was a, a, a nice little wait, uh, you know, a break in between, and then they came out, and you got the guy, you know, uh, Brennan Smalls, the guy who does most of the voices, uh, plays the guitar, and 
the other guys that all play for the you know the band. Right. And they're on stage while there's full cartoon on the screen behind them, and it was like uh, exclusive cartoon made just for the tour. Right. And it was uncensored, so you got nice shots of whatever. Yeah, you said there was much toplessness happening. Uh, that was toplessness happening in the crowd. And, you know, Josie and the Pussycats never got that. <laughs> no, no, it is true. So, um, all right, so, they, so you, so there's the Lego Indiana Jones thing, which is, of course, the follow-up to Lego Star Wars, which is a fantastic game, which my wife and I spent about six solid days over this last Christmas holiday in our house, literally with just piles of food around us, not even getting off the sofa for hours at a time playing Lego Star Wars. Lego Indiana Jones is the follow-up. It officially went on sale today, but if you can talk about this, you somehow sort of lucked into getting a copy on Saturday, right? Yeah, I, well, Friday. I walked into a uh, a, a uh, local video store, let's call them a, Schmuck Schmuckster. A, 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 prominent, <laughs> and, a prominent video chain. Yes, and they do have street dates. Uh, this particular one has a box that says "Do not put, do not shelve until," and you know, it's got today's date. They can't go on sale prior to that. It happens. You know, Walmart is uh, has has broken, you know, gotten in trouble for breaking street dates before. Um, you know, and I guess the bigger chain, you know, the bigger the chain, the less likely you're going to get in trouble or whatever. But I, in this case, it was just purely that the person that was putting them on the shelf was just too stupid to read the box. Right. And just put them out, and rather than you know warn her, hey, those shouldn't be out. I just <laughs> you immediately out my bought it. I am going to take this, and I rented it. One I was going to buy it today. Yeah, but I figured you know I had a coupon at five bucks, rent the rent the thing, and have it for an extra you know four days before anyone else has got right. it. And reading the online message boards, because I'm kind of updating some of the sites that list like the achievements and stuff. Right. Uh, there's 16 secret achievements on this that you don't know what they are until you get them. So this is so this is sort of like the Lego Star Wars game in that you are a it is a Lego rendering of what the first three Indiana Jones films. Yes, it's called Lego Lego Indiana Jones: The Original Adventures, and it's based on the first three movies. And it you know it is if you've never played a Star Wars or if you've never played the Star Wars Lego games. Uh, you're really missing out. I recommend if you've got an Xbox, pick up the uh, used copy of uh, Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga. It's a fantastic game. I own it. I've played it many, many, many. It, of it hours. really is good. And I can tell you, my wife is not much of a video game player, and she's also not much of a Star Wars fan. And she played that thing for. I mean, yeah, she sat down at about noon, and she was playing it till like ten o'clock at night. I mean, she was hooked on it instantly. And I know that I know that y'all on the show are, are uh, you know child free. Uh, however, uh, you know it is a very family friendly game. Yeah, it's completely kid safe. It's, it's, you know, little things like, well, or, or, you know, not to stereotype, but the girl that doesn't normally play, the, or, or the guy that doesn't normally play the video games, this is a, a, a new way of looking at it, because you, if you die, you just pop right back up where you were, you lose a few coins, and you can go. That's the thing is, yeah, that, which is sort of, and that's sort of a kind of an insidious thing that they do, too, because as, uh, I'm assuming it's the same way in the Lego Indiana Jones, that in the Lego Star Wars, yeah, if your character, quote, dies or gets killed, yeah, you kind of scatter into pieces for a second, and then or whatever, and you drop your coins, and then you come right back, and there is no, like, at no point do you have to stop and start over. That's yeah, what makes never it... run out of men. There's no continue... Unfortunately, you know, you have to make it through the level you're on in order to save it. So you can't just do that, oh, just one more man, because... But you know, that's what makes it so easy to, to lose about ten hours of your life to it, because it's oh, just okay. one, it just keeps going. So here's a dumb question. So how good is the Lego Indiana Jones game? Oh, it is fantastic. I, they 
took the same engine that they used to make the second Lego Star Wars game, Lego Star Wars 2. They used the same development engine and built on it. Um, there's some good things and some bad things. Um, they made more use of puzzles in this game than they did in the previous, which fits in with the motif. With, you yeah. Know? Uh, traps you have to get around, hieroglyphs that you need to decipher, uh, you know, little things that, you know, that really make the environment fun. Uh, of course, it's just like Star Wars where there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor. Right. Um, you know, some, some great little cut scenes that, that just have you rolling. I heard that some of the other Lucas properties make an appearance in the, in this, the Lego indie game. I, I actually I said I will post it on on your MySpace. I'll post a quick picture. It's not a big huge spoiler because it's just a, a throwaway joke in one of the first cutscenes. But right after he gets out from the big boulder and Belloc is taking the, the the idol from him, right? He's going through his pack and he's pulling out all these different things. He pulls out a diamond and a lantern and he's shaking his head and he pulls out this you know golden item and then it turns around and it's actually C3PO's head. Oh, that's pretty great. And and of course that makes the the Hovatu Indians just crack up laughing and Belloc's <laughs> like shaking his head. Excellent. So, I mean, but all in all it is it is a great game. It, it's not without a, a few glitches. Uh the hit detection is still a little poor. Um you know and and I did write a fairly full review that you can find on uh, Geek in the City or you can link to it from the MySpace. Um but you know, and I and I did I gave a little minor spoiler at the end of it, but otherwise it's pretty spoiler free. There is a hidden character I will not spoil who it is, uh, and the way you get that person is actually really kind of uh, unique. Very cool. So, All right, so you uh, can, it, uh... it, it, it's a longer game. It'll take you longer to play it. It's, it you won't finish it as quickly as you did Star Wars. Which is fine. I mean, you know, and I'm, a lot of the times people put a, a, you know, sort of an emphasis on, on how quickly you can get to the game. But you know what? It doesn't matter. It, to me, it's, you know, it's, it's more for your money. So. Hey, paying 50 bucks for a game, I want it, I don't want it to be over in two days. The, the review is up at, make it laugh. the review is up at geekinthecity.com, uh, and uh, I'll put a link directly to that. And uh, excellent. So I'm glad you enjoyed the show last night. Thank you so much for the review, my friend. Did, did you get the little thing I dropped off for you? Uh, I didn't, but I'll have to go up and, but I was kind of yeah. out of my office for a lot of this oh, morning. Yeah, check it out. I dropped it off for Dave's this morning, uh, I got you a sticker from the, the merch table there at the Death Clock that's a uh, Duncan Hills Coffee bumper sticker. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. So, right, thank you, and uh, everyone, you know, if you're not going to buy it, at least give it a try. Rent it. It's a great game. All right, there you go. Uh, Lego Indiana Jones Mailman Chris, who got his hands on that on uh, Friday, actually, before it was uh, officially on sale. So it's up today. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. More news from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, we'll talk to Dale Robinson from G4's Hurl. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin will join us. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. And the top five songs that were almost the opening themes to the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. downside is significant. That's true. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's something to which there's no downside. Uh, this is uh, the final 15 seconds of a car commercial 
from... Hey, Tim, you know where Rock Hill is? Isn't that North Carolina? I think it might outside be North Carolina. Charlotte? I think I, it's outside of Charlotte. I think it is. So this is a local car commercial. Uh, you know, some local dealer where the guy is standing there going, Come on down to Rock Hill, blah, 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 and try out our wide selection of new cars. So he is listing all of these sort of um, the reasons why people say, like in sales, it's always, Well, I'd like to buy a car, but, you know, uh, this car is really great, but... I really enjoyed the test ride in this car, but... So this is the final 15 seconds of a local car commercial from Rockville. Or Rock... But I want free oil and filter for three years. But I want a lifetime warranty. But I want free tires for life. Hi, Zach Justin here with Harrelson Toyota. Come on in, and we'll satisfy all your butts. That's Harrelson Toyota, South Carolina's <laughs> number one butt satisfier. <laughs> what? Are you... <laughs> But I want free oil and filter for three years. But I want a lifetime warranty. But I want free tires for life. Hi, Zach Justin here with Harrelson Toyota. Come on in, and we'll satisfy all your butts. That's Harrelson Toyota, South Carolina's number one butt satisfier. <laughs> Regrettably, it gets cut off at the end before you hear the butt satisfier. But that's clear. All your butts. That's Harrelson Toyota, South Carolina's number one butt satisfier. <laughs> Okay, we need to, like, put some audio just to finish that er. Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't know where we would get the er from. He doesn't say er anywhere else in the spot. do it manually. <laughs> have to... Send it to some... Who does the tags around here? We'll have to send it into Pro Tools. Ah, oh, so there you go. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. Oh, and uh, Richie Bristol, I think we're going to be uh, obtaining Dale Robinson from G4 here, if we can do that. Uh, this, however, is your personal statement. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, just a couple days ago, perhaps less than 24 hours ago, she said it was out of the question. But now, Hillary has told colleagues she will consider joining Barack Obama as his running mate. And advisors say she was withdrawing a formal departure from the race until she uses her remaining leverage to press for a spot on the ticket. So we'll find out what happens later on today. She would deign to accept that. That's mighty Christian. She would. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Courtney Love stories, two in a row. A year ago, the Nevada frontman's widow, Courtney Love, kicked to the curb print ads of the U.K. that featured her late husband modeling Dark Mountain boots in heaven. That should be Doc Martin boots in heaven. My, how things change. Now the ex-hole singer... <laughs> <laughs> the ex-hole singer, He's a butt the ex-hole singer is given thumbs up to a line of Converse sneakers paying tribute to the grunge icon who committed suicide. The shoes will hit stores as follow along with footwear inspired by the Grateful Dead to help mark the manufacturer's 100th birthday. So they're going to be Kurt Cobain model Chuck Taylors? Uh, they come in uh, three different styles. Chuck Taylor All-Stars, Jack Purcell, and One Star, and sports artwork and scribbles taken from the personal notebooks and lyrics of such songs as Come As You Are. <sighs> They'll cost between 50 and $65. I mean, I'm not like the biggest Kurt Cobain fan, but the thing that sort of bugs me about all this stuff is, you know... He didn't uh, wear Converse shoes when he was alive. Well, no, he wore Keds, I think. I think that famous photograph of him where he's laying all dead, I think he's got Keds on. Um, and plus, don't you get the feeling, I mean, at least at least from the way that Kirk Cobain chose to depict himself publicly, don't you suppose that he would be uh, horrified at the idea that they were selling a line of Converse with notes from his journal all over them as decoration? Well, it's like, you know, they make a Kirk Cobain action figure now, or in action figure, as the case may be, uh, but where it's like him... Like in a no lie, literally, it's a, it's a it's like a fully posable collectible of Kurt Cobain in a sweater holding a guitar, which from everything from the way that that guy chose to sort of portray himself, you get the feeling it's a thing he wouldn't really be happy about. By the way, um, ah, never mind. Uh, I was going to say I'm reading that um, 
Charles Cross book, Heavier Than Heaven, which is sort of the, de- the definitive Kurt Cobain biography. And it's just alternately just so irritating and depressing. I mean, it's uh, to the point that I don't even know if I'm going to make it through, you know? I mean, really, because you're reading it. And then later in the Aberdeen trailer park, there was domestic violence and drug abuse. And you're just sort of reading it, just kind of going, I, okay. You know, like, I, just don't, I don't really know that I need to read it. Um, so uh, in just a moment here, we'll be uh, joined by uh, Dale Roy Robinson uh, from G4. I do want to ask this one question, though, before you get to the second half of this Cobain story. Yes. So you said... That the, you know, the, the, the these Chuck Taylors, these Cobain version Chuck Taylors coming out, which sort of reminds me of those Freddy Krueger Nike shoes. Uh, so those there was the, these. Cuts. Those are the coolest looking things. Man, it's the best thing I've ever seen in my and life. Michael sent those to you, didn't he? Uh, I got a bunch of people who sent them to me. Michael and several other people are like, look at this article. And it was that Nike had put together these concept shoes based on Freddy Krueger, and the shoes were bitching, man. There was Michael, it, I'm a seven and a half. And even if you aren't a Freddy Krueger enthusiast or a horror, horror movie fan, they look. They're red and green stripes with sort of. I know this sounds horrible, but they're red and green stripe with like a blood spatter motif on them, and they don't sound as horrific as I'm describing. They actually look. Really cool. There was also a Jason Voorhees model uh, that Nike put together. But of course, the frustrating thing about it is they're concept shoes, meaning that they were just sort of the, the the idea for shoes, and that Nike now is saying that they might not put them out because there's some sort of a copyright battle with um, New Line Cinema or whoever it is. So this is me, Rick Emerson, now abusing my position as a, a talk show host. I'm putting out the call to anybody at Nike. If you know anything, Do they have um, money, eBay. No, the Freddy the Freddy Krueger shoes. How much are they going for? One hundred and forty bucks. Well, see, I'd almost pay that though. Same. Those are the ones, right? Uh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, those are those. Really? Yeah. Can I buy them now? Buy it now. All right, I'm going to buy those now. Are you going to? I'm totally going to buy those. Are you kidding me? What si- Wait, what when, size are they? Let's see. Um, what size are you? Ten and I'll, I'll find them for you while we're All doing right. this. Seriously? They have them, oh, they have them in ten and eleven. Well, I might be able to fit into an 11. They have 8.5, 9.5, 10, and 11. Uh, We'll resume this uh, Kurt Cobain news in just a moment, Tim. Can we put a pin in that for a second? Yes, give me a pin. All right. We'll uh, we'll resume uh, the Ministry of Truth in just one moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Dale Roy Robinson from G4's upcoming program, Hurl. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm good, and I don't want to get in the way of ordering shoes. No. (laughs) Dude, let me tell you. Have you seen the Freddy Krueger concept shoes from Nike? I haven't, but I'm getting online right now because if there's only one pair of 10s, I'm going to fight you for them. Oh, Bastard, bastard! <laughs> uh, they are unbelievably cool, and there's also some Crystal Lake Jason Voorhees shoes that are not quite as cool, but are but are pretty pretty righteous nonetheless. But these Freddy Krueger shoes from Nike are among the coolest shoes I have ever seen, and it's it, I mean they're doubly cool because they're Freddy Krueger motif, but just as standalone works of fashion, as weird as that sounds, they are really cool looking shoes, and I'm not a guy who's really into shoes. Um, but sure. but we have the added advantage here in Portland, Oregon, of being right down the road from Beaverton, Oregon, which is where Nike is located. Um, and we have several. I mean, I get a lot of a, a lot of email from listeners, email addresses that end with at Nike dot com. Uh-huh. So this is me right now abusing the <laughs> airwaves. Um, and, I don't uh, think it's a good idea. And uh, I am now ex- ex- exhorting anybody uh, who is at Nike to uh, you, you you just you let Rick Emerson wet his beak. That's all we're saying. All right. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, let me just, so I can sort of clarify this as we sort of go forward. We'll talk about the show Hurl in a second, but I've been trying to figure out. Somebody told me that G4, the network, that G4 stands for something. That it stands for like gear, guts, and gigabytes or something. Do you know what G4 stands for? It doesn't. It doesn't stand for anything, from what I've been told. It, it, nobody can tell you why it's been named that. 
So it's just one of it's like the uh, so it's like the 4H club where I was never really I, able to figure out the 4Hs were. I think there's actually H's that go with the 4H club, but I don't think there's any G's that go with the G4 club. All right, so you guys, I have the press release right here in my hand, and we have our listeners to thank uh, for this because yesterday I won't make uh, my producer listen to it again, but we had this we had this vomit sound effect that we were playing all day yesterday. Right. Uh, because vomit is hilarious. As a guy, you would agree with me. I would agree. So we were playing this vomit sound, and then we had a whole discussion about why is vomit funny and it, it, we went so far as to have the audience vote on it to whether or not I was the only one that thought vomit was hilarious and in the midst of that whole discussion a listener sent us these like have you seen this show that's going to be on the G4 it's called Hurl so Hurl is a game show meets competitive eating contest meets something else it, it, and it's not funny at all <laughs> no, it is very. It's terribly funny. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's basically extreme eating meets extreme sports, but we don't really do the sports. It's just some sort of activity that you really shouldn't be doing after you've eaten too much. So, give me an example of the kind of things people are going to have to eat, and then the activities in which they will have to partake. Well, for example, we would uh, we would give them uh, fifteen pounds of clam chowder, and then we'd put them on the teacups. Oh. Something something like that. Wow. All right. Can you say something like that as though something you like haven't fiendishly thought it all out? Uh, no, and so have, have episodes of this already been filmed? Are they already in existence? What is the timeline for the show? They've they've all been shot, and we're now editing them together. So, uh, were you on site for the for the filming of this? And please, oh, I was. Please forgive my ignorance. What is your sort of relation to the show? Are you hands on, as it were? I'm I'm hands on. I'm a, I'm the executive producer and also the director. So does that mean that you, whether you like it or not, have to be there to get the stench of the spaghettios as they come up off the floor? Oh, let me tell you, when somebody throws up mac and cheese in a tunnel, it smells. <laughs> it, it does smell. Life lessons from Dale Robinson. What is What well, would you help. say is the the worst food that you have given somebody? Is it the clam chowder or is it something else? The worst food. I, you know, I, we try to actually make the food delicious, and it's actually organic and locally grown when possible. So uh, it's kind of the uh, it's the opposite of fear factor. We're never giving these guys something that's not delicious to eat, and we're never giving them something that they're afraid to do. But uh, it's just a little too much in a little too short of time span. So in terms of something that you don't want to see thrown back up, where would you? What would you say is the <laughs> well, most? Well, yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask for that, aren't I? Because I, I like to see it all. That's true. Because you want to see it all. Yeah. So, so what is the deal? So that you get you is it you get a team of guys or a group of guys? They it's all five, have to... five guys uh, off the street. They're not professional eaters. Uh, they don't know each other, and they are the contestants for that episode. And then we uh, we give them a surprise first menu item and a clock time uh, that they have to eat it in. And uh, the top three eaters will advance onto the activity. The other two guys that don't eat enough are out immediately. Right. And uh, the activity is different each time. It's always a surprise as well. And um, Now, do you go until somebody throws up? We don't. It's a clocked event. So there are guys that, that will actually survive all the way to the end. And if you if you eat the most in each round and survive – Without hurling, you are also the Iron Stomach champion. So this is like that old game show, Make Me Laugh, but it's Make Me Puke. <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. All right. Uh, how did you find the guys uh, for this if the show hadn't already aired? In other words, where did you find these contestants? Uh, we found them everywhere. We found them on the beach and uh, in in bars and clubs and uh, at grocery stores, you name it. Just uh, wait to see a guy exiting a bathroom wiping his chin, and you're like, yeah. that's our guy. That's our guy. No, that's he's probably a professional. We don't want him. <laughs> uh, so when does Hurl begin airing, my friend? 
It's gonna uh, it's gonna air July fifteenth at nine p.m. July fifteenth, nine p.m. nine p.m. Um, at some point, once the show kind of hits the airwaves, can we uh, can we kind of get you back on to give our of course, just to of sort course. of discuss it further as as yes, you begin I, watching it? Yes, I think you're going to need to talk specifics as soon as you see it. All right, excellent, my friend. <laughs> All right, Dale. And you Lowe's... know, I'm an I'm an Oregon boy. Is that true? Where are you from? I grew up in Medford. Oh, good for you. Uh -huh. So yeah. you Medford, Bruce Campbell country. That's right. I love Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Um, all right. So the show is Hurl. It uh, airs uh, July 15th, 9 p.m. As we get kind of closer to it, uh, we'll uh, make sure that we get ready to watch that. And then we will have you back on to sort of uh, talk about the, one of the episodes as it transpires, my friend. And if you're in Los Angeles on, uh, on the 15th, uh, you're welcome to come to the premiere party. Very cool. Thank you, sir. Thanks very much. All right. Dale Roy Robinson. Thank you, sir. There you go. Richie, can you uh, talk to Dale and make sure that we've got all of his appropriate uh, contact info and, uh, and so forth? Thank you. There he goes. All right, how cool was that guy? Yeah, he's All right. really cool. cool. Wonderful. <laughs> cool. All right, uh, July 15th. All right, here's Tim Riley with the second half of this Kurt Cobain story. So Courtney Love is missing something very valuable to her. Septum? Kurt? No. Dignity? No. Shame? No. Career? No. Talent? No. I give up. Kurt Cobain's ashes. Duh. Nah. Now, she's been uh, storing the remains in a punk bear-shaped handbag which is hidden in the wardrobe closet of her swank Hollywood home. Was it hidden too well, Tim? She said, I can't believe anybody would take Kurt's ashes from me. I find it disgusting. Right now, I'm suicidal. Oh, please do it. Uh, Love <laughs> says a majority of Kurt's ashes have been scattered, but she kept a little bit for herself for a rainy day with the luck of his hair. The singer says she knows who is responsible for the theft. So why is she not doing anything about it? Wait, so she knows... Uh, you what? know that she was just on the... This is just speculation. But you know she was just on some bender, and she needed some money, and she's like, hey, I'll sell you Kurt's ashes. This would be your speculation. This is just pure speculation, but, I mean, come on. You believe in your assessment, Hidden journalistically way up in her speaking. closet in a purse, and then all of a sudden someone came in and stole her <laughs> secret bag of ashes? Well, yeah, who, right. would even, who would even know what, the, what Kurt Cobain... Like, like, you'd be able to spot those. What are those? Oh, those must be Kurt Cobain's ashes. No, 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 I think those are from some menthols. No, no, no. Wait. No, those are Kurt Cobain. I mean, how would you even really know? So, all right, well, whatever. By the way, I've already seen several uh, Rick Emerson spotted in uh, in an awkward moment with Ruth Buzzy photographs coming in. Thanks so much. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, um, you were talking about those Freddy Krueger shoes, and I was looking at those a few months ago. Yeah. And I was looking on eBay, and if you do, like, a Google image search or do a little investigating, you might be finding some shoes on there that aren't quite what they claim to be. Uh, like between what the, what I guess the concept sketches and so on, I, there was talk about people copying them and ripping off, ripping them off. And, oh, so you're saying that the people might have seen the concept shoe images and sort of created their own sort of bootleg yeah. versions. Yes. Because that, because to the best of my knowledge, oh, Nike insoles. Nike had never. Oh, those are really cool. Yeah, these are the real deal. To the best of my knowledge, Nike had never really made any. They were just some that they were made in house. Yeah, they just had concept sketches. So, up. is that on eBay, Sarah? Those that you're looking at? Yeah, these ones are going for a set. Let's see, the highest bid is seventy-six dollars. Right? Are they in my size? Yeah, they're, size, they're actually a size ten. Mm, all right, excellent. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye out. So, I just it registered as an eBay user for you. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me actually, because there was so much geek talk about these Freddy Krueger shoes, uh, and to a lesser oh, extent the Jason Voorhees shoes. But the Freddy Krueger shoes are so badass. Yeah, uh, and as far as the Cobain shoes go, that's just the most disgusting thing I've in a long time. Well, you know, the thing about it is, and I mean, I'm reading this book, and we interviewed the guy. We had Charles Cross on the show when he wrote this book, Heavier Than Heaven, which is, I will say, a really definitively 
researched and yeah. written book. But at the same time, you know, the the, the big thing that sets this book uh, apart from the other Cobain documentaries or biographies, rather, is that Courtney Love gave him access to all of Kurt Cobain's journals. And so you have these whole long passages where he is quoting from Kurt Cobain's journals, which I don't think were really meant to be public. I mean, I don't think, no, you know, I, you get the, I mean, a journal is, I mean, it sounds really corny to say this, but a journal is like a really private thing. And the idea that he would just sort of go through and read all of Kurt Cobain's journals and pull out a bunch of passages and just stick them in a book for everybody to read. I mean, it sounds weird for me to say this, but I really feel awkward. It makes me feel very uncomfortable to read it. Well, the, the cross book, I don't feel too bad about reading, but as far as the journals being published that came out a few years ago, that yeah. I've never even opened, and I'm I'm actually lucky enough to get to meet. I'm meeting Charles here next month, so I'm going to have to ask him about that. Yeah, I mean, he I'm was a, a huge Nirvana fan. He I was grew a, up in Aberdeen too. He was a great guy. We had him great, great interview on the show, and again, he's just a very talented writer. It's I've been having read, having started to read the book. I'm about a third of the way in. I do have to say, the book makes me makes me feel a little. Uh, it makes me feel a little a little awkward. Although there are some interesting revelations about Kurt Cobain if you read the book, such as the fact that um, Kurt Cobain, when he was about 14. Uh, he, the newspaper profiled him in his school, and they asked him who his favorite musical artist was. Favorite artist? Meatloaf. Yeah. Uh, they also noted that when he was 16, the highlight of his 16th year on this planet was going to see Sammy Hagar, and that he wore his Sammy Hagar t-shirt to school the next day, and that he followed it up the next year by going to see Judas Priest, which is really at odds with the sort of punker-than-thou image that he took great pains to. Uh, you can't really see the adult Kurt Cobain admitting that he wore a Sammy Hagar shirt around high school. Yeah, he, he was always... Well, he yeah. did punk, too, but he's always heavily into pop. Heavily into yeah. Pop. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Bye now. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Where was I? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, remember a few minutes ago, yes. we were talking about uh, Gina Gershon. Yes. And the fact that her name was mentioned in a scandalous story about Bill Clinton. Much they... like how my name has been linked with Ruth Buzzy. Well, anyway, her lawyers have answered back. They say, Gershon has only been in the same room as President Clinton on three occasions, with many others present the lawyer takes a shot at Vanity Fair, claiming rumor mongering is substituted for fact checking. So there. All right. So, so Gina Gershon's people have denied. See, and it didn't faze me because I, I always forget that Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton are still married. <laughs> I really do. It's I, easy to forget, isn't I it? I totally I'm just in my mind, like somewhere a few years back, I just think they got a divorce, and so like that's why it didn't shock me because. But the girlfriend thinks I'm like, oh, he's right. dating Gina Gershon. Okay. Yeah, you assume that they lead uh, separate lives. They totally. Say. Yeah. Uh... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello, Rick. It's you, sir. <laughs> Great. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I was online last night looking for your book recommendations, uh huh, and I couldn't find them on your website. Uh, yeah, we people have asked us before to put up like a section of the sort of Rick Emerson show recommends, and we just. We were going to do it, and then we ended up not doing it at the last moment because it's sort of the, the Powell's thing uh, came together, although we might be putting up a section on the website that links directly to the website for, for, for Powell's books at Cedar Hills Crossing because they are sort of the official bookstore of the program at this point. Yeah, that's cool. I went to Powell's and uh, tried to search for your name and didn't. Uh, evidently, you're not, a, you're not an author yet. No, sadly, no. But, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds, my friend? Hey, I've got another question. Um, I have a friend whose father owns a car dealership, and I heard that thing that Tim Riley did a little while ago um, about that guy who was the satisfier. Uh, yeah, the uh, the fondler? No, the, the, the guy who had guy? the butt satisfier. Oh, the guy oh. who satisfies all your butts. Yeah, he's in North Carolina, apparently. 
is that on YouTube? It is. Uh, I think if you go to um, I think if you go to YouTube and type in like satisfying your butts or whatever, uh, I think you'll be able to find it. Okay, great. Hey, thanks a lot. Great show. Thank you. All right. Bye. Here's Tim Riley. So uh, General Motors is moving away from its once profitable trucks and SUVs since they're gas hogs. Their CEO, Rick Wagner, says changing consumer demand is not a temporary issue. These higher gasoline prices are changing consumer behavior and rapidly, uh, significantly affecting the U.S. auto industry sales mix. We at GM don't think this is a spike or a temporary shift. We believe that it is, by and large, permanent. That's a lie. Nothing and no change in America is ever permanent. No. I mean, people talk about, no, 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 this is going to change the American way of living once and for all. Americans will ha happily pay 5 or $10 for a gallon. Well, that was, I mean, the thing, maybe it was such a huge deal that we'd, that we'd hit $4, but you know what? Not to become this guy again, but you know what? I was driving by a gas station today. It was like $4.07. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so it's already 7%. I saw $4.11 yesterday. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, and Lara said, and she heard this somewhere, so who knows if it's true or not, but Lara was saying, well, you know, the, the people, they, folks, pundits, she said, you know, they're already saying it's going to hit $6 a gallon by the end of the summer. And so, uh, you know. Nobody will care. No, I mean, it's just, I think at a certain point, it's like you're, it becomes so expensive that your brain can't even conceive it. Or mm -hmm. you don't, like, it makes you too angry to think about. And therefore, by dint of that, it just doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Because, like, if you thought about it, it would just, like, it would just make you too irritated. And so there, you, you reach some sort of tacit understanding within your own brain just not to care about it all that much. Oh, a Smokey the Bear is coming back. But not the old Smokey. He's a lot slimmer than he used to be. Uh, this is Maureen Brooks of the uh, Washington uh, Office of the U.S. Forest Service. Last year, there were more than 1,200 fires, which burned over 200,000 acres of land in the state of Washington. All the more reason to bring back Smokey the Bear. He looks good for his 64 years, and he's uh, more up-to-date, more in tune with the people today. What does that mean? I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. He's a fictitious bear. How could he be more in tune with people today? It's just today? like with people when they talk about how the brawny man is real. That's That's maybe he dances to rap music for the kids. Is oh, he, uh... geez, is he a hip-hop <laughs> bear? Um, I haven't this, seen him yet. But, I mean, well, whatever. All right. So, so there you go. Only you can prevent four fires, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all want to see middle-aged women as models again. Of course. And some of them are very hot, if you saw the previews on the television last night. It's a new reality show giving mature women a shot at supermodel stardom. My skanked up mom. It's called She's Got the Look. <sighs> It'll follow the search for a sophisticated, confident, and beautiful lady to become the next big face of fashion. The host and supermodel, King Alexis, says She's Got the Look is about second chances. It is targeting women over the age of 35 who might have thought they wanted to model, but for some reason or another, you know, life sort of passed them by type thing. So it's like a second chance to see if they've got the right look to be able to work in the business. Wait, so this is so they're finding like forty something women uh, who want to want a second chance at modeling, letting them up a little bit. So, yep. so this is like yeah. a this is like a, a Mad Men or whatever when Don Draper's wife gets that second chance modeling for Pepsi or something uh -huh. because the because the account executive wants Don to come work for whatever that agency is. Yeah. All right. Alexis says making it in the modeling world is challenging at any age. We do realize that sometimes it's the first time for them, but as judges, it's like, well, how did you handle it? What did you learn from this, and how did you handle it? And did you remember all the other things that we taught you? Now watch your show for the rest of that sentence. Wow. Tim, have you seen this photograph of Amy Winehouse? I haven't yet. Where'd okay, please come over to the computer. Does we have to get arm around you with Ruth Buzzy. We have to get your reaction. We have to you got to make it big. you got to click on it to make it bigger. All right, Tim. Uh-huh.
I'm going to bring up now an unaltered, to the best of our knowledge, undoctored, candid (laughs) photograph of Amy Winehouse, which can be seen at sarahxdillon.com. Very well, then. Are you ready? Yes. Are you really ready? I hope so. You really ready? Yes. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Here it is again. Ah. Look at that. How does that happen? Mitchell Bickford as Amy Winehouse. (laughs) (laughs) The Crypt Keeper is Amy Winehouse. Joined at the hair. I mean, somebody has to put them side by side. Look at that photograph. Oh, Oh. that was today. Jesus. Where? uh, So you can see this at SarahXDillon.com, by the way. I mean, she she looks like one of those fish that you throw back. (laughs) She's she's a grouper from the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) Amy Winehouse is is a carp. (laughs) Jesus. Well, that's too bad. I mean, here's should be put back together at this point. <laughs> oh, no, I hope I take a little so. effort. <laughs> All the can't even tackle that up. <laughs> I mean, here's the dumb question. What's wrong with her? It well, looks like she's doing meth and, like, they pick at their faces. Well, that's our theory, by the way. Oh, we well, don't yeah. know that it's Speculation. True. That would explain why she's so rail thin. She looks like Alice Cooper. Jesus. I mean, it looks like her face has been run over by a garbage truck. <laughs> <laughs> with spiky tires. Oh, my God. Well, that's too bad. Talk about people who need a second chance. But, you know, would you agree that this, and really I can't recommend this strongly enough, that you go to SarahXDillon.com and look at this photo of Amy Winehouse? Do we all agree that this, this is like I was talking about that girl yesterday. Uh, I was talking about a girl I, I went to school with. She was sat next to me in second grade and wet her pants. And how even though in high school she apparently became a real sex bomb knockout, I could never, ever find her hot. Because I remember her peeing her pants next to me in second grade. Would we all agree at this point you could never find Amy Winehouse attractive again, having seen this photograph? No. I mean, no matter what, they, even if they abraded her skin all the way down to the skull and oh, rebuilt it. Oh, man. There's nothing they could ever do to her at this point that would make her, like, you know, like, humpable, in my opinion. There's nothing you could... And imagine what that smells like. Oh, Rick. I mean, seriously. Oh, why did you even say oh. that? What? Oh, but the with the gray pockets in her face seriously look at that photograph imagine what that imagine what that face must smell like oh my god imagine getting right up that inhaling (laughs) imagine sarah (laughs) i can imagine that happening (laughs) see the vomit sound effect was really funny right there it was funny it was i really do actually (laughs) (laughs) that ought to be the when you want to embed that sound, Sarah. That would be so funny. When, when, someone loads, log in. when someone loads your page, welcome to SarahXDillon.com. All right. Fantastic. Everybody go and look at the... Everybody come here and see how terrible she looks. All right. That's terrific. Jesus. All right. I don't think the show can get any better. Now, well, we got to stay here because uh, Lisa Desjardins is going to call in like uh, two minutes. Uh, so let's do one more story here, Tim, and then uh, we'll take these calls. And we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, then Peter Carlin, then a break, then news in the top five. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, the Confederate flag is preparing to fly high again, this time in Eureka Springs, Florida. The Tampa Tribune uh, reports a group dedicated to the memory of the Confederate soldiers is planning to raise the huge flag as part of a memorial. The flag will be visible from a nearby highway. Well, some say the uh, flag is a symbol of racism. Supporters claim it uh, it represents all the soldiers who fought for the Southern oh, Rebellion. Me. Seriously. Just, just, would everybody please just, just... They say the flag stands for American liberty. And those who say otherwise don't know about the history of America. Man, they can just uh, they can just eat one is what they can do. Oh, they people, can people, eat a full bag, as they say. People in wheelchairs can now go to the International Spine Museum in Washington, D.C. The International Spine Museum? Spine Museum. Spine Museum? Spy or spine? Spy, S-P-Y. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. There might be a spine museum in Washington. I'm not the other museum. Spy museum. Museum full of spines, though. You <laughs> color me there. <laughs> 
Well, the museum has reached an agreement with the Justice Department to make exhibits accessible to everyone with disabilities, including those with impaired sight and hearing. Wouldn't Wait, it make sense? Spine? You said spy, right? Wouldn't spy. it make sense that somebody in a wheelchair would be going to a spine museum, though? Doesn't yeah, that sort of like, follow? Like impaired... mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're in a wheelchair, you'd think that they would have spine interest. That's true. You don't really care about any of this, do you? Well, those who disagree are spineless. Uh, the museum will provide uh, maps as well as sign language and capture <laughs> for all programs on request. This is after a blind man visited the museum and complained he couldn't see anything. He's, <laughs> He's blind. Well, there's a potential lawsuit there. There what? isn't anything in the spine museum for blind people. KCMD Portland. Maybe Lisa knows more about this. I don't know. Who wants oh, yeah, to hear we're, the, we're gonna have Lisa on, huh? Yeah. Do you want to yeah. hear the spelling bee, kid? Oh yes. Okay. That'd so this good. is. Uh, Sarah, did you watch the spelling bee on Friday? No, no. It was pretty great. Uh, I, to be fair, I only watched part of it. It was at my father's place, and they actually had it on, but it was closed captioned. So I was sitting there talking to some uh, some dudes and uh, watching the spelling bee at the bar. Um, uh, boy, you know, I know I say this a lot, but I'm already preemptively angry about that smoking ban. Every time I go to my father's place, I come home grumpy about that smoking ban. Makes me furious. Uh, you like to have people smoke? Well, this is probably a discussion for later in the years. We get closer to this. I don't like to have people smoke, but here's the thing: is that smoking is legal. It's not illegal. It is a legal activity. That is true. Yeah. And so, and plus, can we just call it like it is? If you're somebody who works in a bar that smells like the inside of an ashtray, you probably smoke yourself. I mean, you know, I love my father's place. You know, I do, and so I, th- I say this with love. But do you look, look at the wait staff at my father's place? Do you honestly believe any of the wait staff at that place don't already have like a three pack a day habit? I mean, please, who's kidding who? If you work in a bar, you, there's a reason why you take a job in a bar, and it's not because there are no other jobs available. If you work in a bar, it is because you come from that sort of walk of life, and I don't mean that as a knock. If you work in a bar, you know what you are? You're the type of person who works in a bar. A bar employee. That, yeah, it's neither good nor bad. If you work in a bar, you're the type of person who works in a bar. And I guess pr- I would agree with that. So, uh, I mean, so smoking, if you, look, if you were going to say that smoking was illegal or smoking was banned, or there was a prohibition on smoking, I might or might not agree with that, but at least we would all be on the same page. There's nothing illegal about smoking. It's a perfectly legal activity if you are an adult. So the idea that I can't voluntarily go to a place that allows drinking and smoking just strikes me. It just rubs me a little raw. And, you know, I'm no fan of smoking. You know, I am no fan of smoking. I'm no fan of cigarette smoke uh, in general. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like we're either adults or we're children. And if we're children, then I guess, you know, if the, if the government is just going to treat us as though we're infants, then I suppose that is their right as the government. But as long as we're all adults and it's not an illegal activity, it pains me that they're going to stamp it out, which is, A, going to impact the businesses of a place like that, and, and, B, really is going to impact just the general vibe in the atmosphere. So... I mean, it really is. I what... totally agree. Like, I, I, you know, I like going to non smoking bars and I like going to smoking bars and I don't care. But I mean, it's such an ambiance, it creates such an ambiance. And, like, where are the little old men going to go? And, I mean, in St. John's. It's, I, you know, I, I can't even smoke there anymore. I don't smoke. So, oh, you know yeah. what? You know what? And look, here's the thing. You come to work, there's no smoking here at work. There's no smoking clearly in the studio. There's no smoking at my house. There's no smoking in the majority of restaurants at this point. So, the idea that we could have one small slice of places set aside in which you could smoke doesn't seem like it's so crazy, especially because there's any number. And here's the other thing. It, it's not just like a bar. It's like, well, if I want to go to a bar, why should I have to smell like a cigarette? You know what? There are lots and lots and lots of non-smoking bars. You know where you couldn't More smoke? More every day. You know where you couldn't smoke is the Crystal Ballroom. 
Freaking 1,100 people in there, loaded to the gills, every one of them, not smoking. Why? Non-smoking bar. So the idea that we should set aside a couple of places where you can just act like an adult isn't so crazy to me. All right. That's All right. The last time I'm going to complain about it oh, until fair December. Enough. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, From the Hill, CNN radio correspondent to the stars and patron of the Crystal Ballroom in Portland, Oregon, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Indeed I am. I'm speaking to you from a trans fat free New York City. <laughs> well, now, wait, so when, when, when did you arrive in New York? Uh, I think maybe 40 minutes ago. So what is, here's a dumb question, why? <laughs> why not? Uh, Hillary Clinton giving, uh, making her speech here tonight. So is this, now, uh, first we had the story this morning that she was going to be bagging it and throwing in the towel, and then we had a denial from her camp that that was going to be the case. So what do we know, and when right. do we know it? Oh, it's all in the semantics, Rick. This is, it's, you know, and I almost spotted it as I saw the AP story go across the wires. The AP reported that tonight Hillary Clinton is going to acknowledge in some form that Barack Obama either has or is close to having the numbers that he needs to clinch the nomination. But... The AP did not report that Hillary Clinton is going to concede. What is the difference, you may ask? I, I'm not exactly sure myself, but it, it's all in the wordage here. She's going to say, yes, he has the numbers, but I'm, I'm still going to go forward with my campaign. She may make the argument that technically superdelegates are free to change their minds, that she's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. I, I think what's really going on here is, she doesn't want to leave the race quite yet. She wants to negotiate behind the scenes with the Barack Obama camp for a lot of things, including her own position in the future, as well as the support for her, her donors, her contributors, and a lot of the, especially congressmen who supported her, potentially in districts that went overwhelmingly for Obama. She wants to make sure that they're taken care of by the Obama camp. So what do you make of these of the fact that the AP has just flat out said that Obama's got it, but nobody else is sort of willing to say that. Right. Isn't that fascinating? I, I, I Having worked at the AP for years, for a couple of years, I, I'm really stunned that they went out and said that. The, the truth is that by almost any estimate, Barack Obama probably will get it tonight. If He, he doesn't have to win in, North, in South Dakota or in Montana, uh, and he just has to pick up maybe 15 delegates or so in those two states. Maybe half, and, and he'll he'll probably get it. Even if he does worse than that, he's poised to get it. But that's different than saying that he already has clinched the nomination, which is almost what the AP is saying. Not quite. It's, each of these stories, I, I'm a little nervous about what's going on today because it's the exact word choice that matters, and I think it might leave a lot of people confused. Is she conceding or isn't she? Did he clinch the nomination or didn't he? If, it, it, it's sort of like journalists are purposely going out of their way to put us in this kind of weird gray area so that they could be the first to report that something may happen soon and it looks like it might have already happened possibly. Well, which is, which is how everybody got so screwed in 2000, of course, not least among right. them the AP themselves. Um, and before we sort of wrap this up here... Well, you know, the, the AP was the one the one group that did not actually call the oh, uh, election in 2000. Then I've got it backward. Um, the, before, before we sort of wrap this up, here's a dumb question. Um, if slash when, whether it happens today or two days or a week from now, when when the word finally comes down that, look, Hillary's out, it's Barack Obama, he's the nominee, dumb question, how how big a deal is that moment? I mean, how how much will that resonate, uh, not just with Democrats, but with, but with the country as a whole at that moment? 
I think it's a very big moment. I think it's a moment when everyone can finally stop putting the caveats in their sentences. They can finally say, yes, this is a minute of history, and we know exactly what kind of history it is, which we haven't really been able to say, man, is it going to be a black man or a woman? People can really acknowledge that this is a historic moment, especially for African Americans and and sort of uh, racial divides in America, potentially. And we can start talking about what this election is really going to mean and where the divides are truly going to be between Obama and McCain. So I think it really, I think it is actually going to be a significant moment, even though we're all sort of dancing around it as sort of the last square left on the checkerboard. But I think it still is going to be significant. And that's going to be the moment when everything, the rubber really meets the road in terms of everybody now knuckling down and just uh, getting ready for, for this fall, which is really going to be a bruising contest by any estimation. Right, and, you know, and I think Barack Obama is, is is making a very interesting play tonight by speaking in St. Paul, Minnesota, from the exact location where Republicans are going to hold their nominating convention in just 90 days. So he he basically is is going on offense here, and he's sort of playing a little bit of Chicago politics. He's not being Mr. Nice Guy by doing that. He's saying, "I'm going into your yard. I'm go I'm going to where you all are trying to establish yourselves, and I'm going to get there first. And, I, and I'm, he's being very aggressive here in making that move, and it, it's an interesting signal from a campaign that has bent over backwards at times to try and be very, very uh, sort of above politics with Hillary Clinton. Uh-huh. Here, they're, here they're getting a little bit tougher. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big day and a big campaign and a big year. There's no way around it. Um, all right, I will let you get back to it. You've got a crazy uh, day and night, so uh, we will speak to you at some point in the immediate future. Excellent. All right, thank you. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. You know what I heard yesterday was one of Lisa's reports that she does on, not on another station as such, but one of the generic reports that she sort of files for CNN. Oh, yeah, doesn't you can play at any time. Yeah, it doesn't sound anything like her. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yes. Hello. Well, I wanted to talk about smoking in bars. I know we kind of got off the subject there with Lisa on the phone. But, you know, I'm a non-smoker. I live in Washington. And they kind of slid that law here in Washington. They kind of slid it in on us. And I was... I was just like you where I was angry about it. I'm not a smoker, but I thought, I'm an adult. I'm going into an adult establishment. If I choose to go into a place that has smoking, that's my business. But I'll tell you what, it has been really nice um, going into non-smoking bars. And to be honest, I have a lot of smoking friends, and they don't mind it. And the bars have done a really good job, like especially like Club 99 over on Hazelville. Um they made a really nice outdoor area with heaters and tables. And there's a lot of times, you know, you want to get away from the music, you go out there and hang out with your friends in the smoking shack for a while, then you go back in, and it really is a nice change to come home from a bar and not smell like it. Well, outside. and I would, I mean, so there's no shortage of places you can go if you don't want to have uh, cigarette smoke. And I would also, I would also point this out, like in terms of, I mean, the, the idea that somehow every single place has to be smoke free. Uh, you know, so that you, so that people who don't smoke can be free to go wherever. I mean, really, let's just be honest. What's going on in any particular bar that is so freaking crucial to your life that you have to be able to go there? I mean, really, what's happening in a bar? No, no, no. This is a different kind of bar. There's a bunch of drunks there, and a guy is pouring out shots while you know Skinner plays on the jukebox. It's a bar. I mean, what is happening there that is so unbelievably important that it has to be open to every single person on earth? So it just the whole thing, as I said, you know, we're either adults or we're not. And if we're adults, then the government ought to allow us to make our own goddamn decisions every now and again. Well, well so. I, I, I agree with you. I just thought I'd throw my two cents in since it did get forced on us over here. That's true. Uh, how did you uh, discover this very fine radio program? 
I've been listening to you, Rick, for years. Excellent. Well, God bless you. KOTK, I think? Yes. Hot Talk 1080. Are you one of your loyal lesbian listeners. You used to send me emails. Did I, were you one of our loyal lesbian listeners from, like, early on? Because Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Are you spreading the word still to this day? Of course I am, and I'm a glorious doctor to boot. God bless you. All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Bye now. All right, there you go. Well, it's always good to hear from old school people. I love Excellent. it. Occasionally, I will get people who are like, yeah, I was listener number 2001, because we used to give people listener numbers sort of back in the uh, in the early days. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? You guys were talking about gas prices earlier. I just thought I'd mention to you that I just paid four dollars and eighty-three cents. You paid now. what? What? Huh? For what now? Four dollars and eighty-three cents for diesel up in Washington. Now, how much? How do I put this? If regular gas is like four ten or something, and it diesel four, is, it was four twenty-three. Four twenty-three for regular gas. Yeah. See, here I, I am becoming that guy. Into, I pulled into this uh, state just as they were changing it from four sixty-two. Four eighty-three. Jesus, so I mean, it cost me uh, five hundred and five dollars. Five hundred and five dollars. Yeah. Well, I feel so much better about driving my Focus at this point. All right. I will uh, have to do it again tomorrow. All right. Thank you, my friend. Hey, uh, just one more thing. Yeah. Uh, Sarah. Yes. Uh, by the way, Saturday you looked very lovely. Oh, well, thank you. I was down uh, with my family looking at the boats, and uh, you go bicycle by with uh, your gentleman friend. And, you look very lovely. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. It's a little You're unnerving. Welcome. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. All right. I'm not trying to say that that guy's unnerving, but I'm saying you know, it's sort of weird that you don't, you know, like can I, here's a story. Um, it's being Jerry who was saying that she was an old school listener. Um, occasionally I will get these emails, uh, as I was saying, for people who have been listening for a long time, people who have got, I mean, there's a, she was um, talking about from the KOTK days, there is um, another person who emails us now in fact there's more than one but i was just there was somebody who emailed in today and we read their email in the air and as i was reading the email i was having this whole kind of weird out-of-body experience sort of in my head where i was sort of thinking about the fact that we've been on here in one form or another for a decade and there are people who have been emailing back and forth with me for 10 years which is weird to think about See, I like, I love it when people like recognize us because I remember the days when you know we had like a hundred listeners. <laughs> Nobody, that's <laughs> like that's... I, I am grateful for every single person who comes up and yeah. says hello or does anything because I know that you know we came from nothing. That is, how do I put this? Um, that is not to be all about like the, the, the glory of us, but when we first started the show and when the show first launched in Portland. As she noted, there was a time, which has long since passed, there was a time when I could sit down every day, and this is partly partly because I think the rise of the Internet, there was a time when I could sit down at the end of the day and answer in like an hour every single email that I got. Uh, so I'd be on from wherever, noon to three, and then I could go home, and I'd, between like four and five, I could take about, I could take 55 minutes, and I could answer every single person who had emailed me at all during that show, which is, and those days are just... You know, so so far behind us. Not just because the show has you know, more listeners and it sort of has a certain, you know, we, we've achieved you know some some level of success here in, in Portland, but also because every single person on earth is able to email you now and send you a MySpace message and text you from their phone or whatever. But but there was a time when I go home and oh, it was a great day. I got 14 emails today. Mm-hmm. So you hear from people who have been listening or been emailing, you know, for that long. It's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. Um, but to dovetail with your thing about that guy spotting you out this weekend, so I was at a Kmart last, a Kmart in Clackamas, don't ask me why, it's a long story, that a Kmart in Clackamas about a week and a half ago, and 
my wife and I were sort of walking around, and um, she was looking for whatever. She was looking for fingernail clippers or just something silly. And he was like, well, let's go into the Kmart. And it was this Kmart that was sort of off the beaten path. And I think there was a Walmart down the street that had clearly siphoned away most of its customers. And so the Kmart was just sort of empty. There was like four people in there. And I was kind of, you know, thinking to myself, like, working at this Kmart must be kind of a breeze because you don't have to do anything. There are no customers. Nobody's shopping here. There's like one one woman working a snack bar, and there's, you know, two tellers, and that's it. And there's just no customers at all. And so, literally, as I'm standing in the Kmart waiting for my wife to find nail clippers, I'm thinking to myself, this must be the easiest Kmart in the entire world to work at because no one is shopping here at all. And literally, at that moment, a guy walks by, and he's like, hey, best show ever. And then he just continues pushing I his cart down the that's street. exactly people. Like, I'll just walk in on Hawthorne, and someone will just say that, and then I'm just like, this yeah. is the greatest thing ever. So, in any event. Uh, we have like 1,700 commercials, so we need to break. We, we didn't. We haven't taken a break know, in over and an you hour. You know what we're not going to be able to do again today is Peter Carl. Oh crap! Because we got the top five to do. We got Tim, and Peter can't talk past like 2:30 anyway. Okay. I'm sorry, Peter. Thank you. I had, I had nowhere to go. I had no out there. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. We return around the corner with Tim Riley and the top five. Stay there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson show. Hey, here's something that'll make you feel old. So that woman. Nothing I like better than feeling old. By you, I mean me. So that woman, Jerry, who called earlier, and she said that uh, she'd been listening for, I don't know, since the KOTK days. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Rick, you want to feel really old? Yes. I've been listening since you were on in Utah uh, with my parents in the second grade. Wow. I remember the day it switched over to Radio Disney. So his parents must have been listeners of mine at the time. He himself, so second grade as well, like nine years old? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Ten? Eight I think it's nine. like seven, yeah. seven, seven or eight. Okay, so he, so that's uh, what thirteen years. So he'd be twenty or twenty-one now. So this is Nicholas. So Nicholas is twenty or twenty-one. He said he's been listening to me since my Utah days because his parents were. Fa- oh God, to more than I. Yeah. I am now so old. Multi-generational. Multi-generations. Ah, oh, kill me. I've been broadcasting to more than one generation of his family. Good for you. I've become a family tradition, Tim, handed down from the old to the young. From father to son. As it should be. Jesus, I wish I was dead. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, don't. Leave. At the Ministry of uh, Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, you can bet that uh, Hillary wishes she was dead about now. <laughs> this, from both the AP and the Washington Post. Those are my two sources for this story. <laughs> Way to double source. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama clinched the Democratic presidential nomination today, becoming the first black candidate to lead a major party into a campaign for the White House. Vanquish rival Hillary swiftly signaled an interest in joining the ticket as a running mate. So, these are two calls so far, and not everybody has called it, but this is from the AP and the Washington Post. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just talking to Lisa Desjardins, and at that point, they still hadn't really confirmed it over at CNN. But, I mean, if it was, as the cliche goes, it was kind of all over but the crying, I think. Uh, so, it's... I, uh, never mind. It's not official, official yet, but those are the two sources that are doing that. It's, it, I really and we still have two primaries tonight, and I'm kind of looking know. forward to everything sort of being done, a so we can just sort of get past, you know, because this like the last few weeks haven't even been interesting because everybody sort of knew which way it was going and it was just sort of tedious. Like it was interesting when it was still a real horse race. 
but then once it became clear that that Obama was going to be the guy, uh, then it just became sort of like, okay, can we please? Like they were just dragging it out. It just took sort of forever to get resolved. Um, so, it, man, it's it's. It, I mean, it is going to be it's going to be one hell of a fall. It really is. Yeah. Uh, you know the the idea of, of Barack Obama uh, and and John McCain who were just. And the old guard of the Democratic Party just crumbles yeah. into the abyss. Well, which is you know which has to happen every now and again. You know what? Every every now and again, uh, everything old has just got to you got to get rid of it. Same thing is going to happen with the Republican Party yeah. when, when the election rolls around. Oh, because you know because they're probably going to get hosed and pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, and then they're going to have to just raise everything to the ground and then and then start over again. It is not to not to make too dumb of an analogy, but it is you know it's like I was reading the Kurt Cobain book last night, and it was just you know when when sort of grunge and that whole it was just time. It was just time for the old school of rock just to be kicked to the curb. I mean, those things happen every now and again. It's just, it is necessary. Uh, a sort of figurative bloodletting, one might say. Yes. All right. Well, it's time for all, all of us to use a lawnmower. And uh, the Cleveland Clinic has some safety tips. Dr. Pretty Joyce Billowich says most people forget a lawnmower. Pretty Joyce Billowich? <laughs> yes. Pretty Joyce Billowich. Dr. Pretty Joyce Billowich. Pretty? Says, yes. Does that mean she's only kind of Joyce? She's her, pretty her, Joyce. Her name is spelled P-R-E-E-T-I. Pretty? Pretty? Pretty Joyce. It's... According to the phonetics, it's Billowitz. Pretty Joy Billowich. She says most people forget a lawnmower can be an extremely dangerous piece of equipment. You're lawn mowing, there could be tree branches, there could be leaves, and as the blade begins to turn, those become projectile objects that you may not realize can penetrate the eye, can cut you, can cause a laceration to the face. <laughs> okay, that ended up being pretty funny with that music, actually. All right. She continues. Knowing uh, what you're using, knowing who's handling the equipment. Again, you don't want small children mowing the lawn, although it might seem like a fun chore. Do not, not let small children handle your equipment. Protective eye goggles at all times, whether that's sunglasses or actually safety goggles. Wearing the right kind of protective clothing to prevent from sun and from projectiles and foreign objects in the yard. Dr. Pretty Joyce Billowich. All right. I wasn't allowed to mow the lawn either. No. Well, you know what I saw the other day when Laura and I were out, uh, we were walking through the neighborhood and taking in the sights as we do, looking at uh, looking your at neighborhood, looking at houses people are desperately trying to sell, and homeless people clicking homeless cans. people urinating in the and trash and singing. I see myself in a wonderful <laughs> world and pooping in your driveway. <laughs> well, the theme from a summer place plays in the background. <laughs> Um, that sounds magical. We saw somebody yeah. pushing like an electric lawnmower, and one of those ones with a full-on cord, mm-hmm. like the big bright orange, dangerous. black and deco black black <laughs> black and decker lawnmower with the big orange electric cord plugged into the wall, which just seems like the most low-rent, trashy item for mowing your lawn. All right, let's do the top. Five. Here's your top five for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio five, Program. Four, three, two, one, fire. For counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Did you see this picture of me with Ruth Buzzy? I have. Oh, that doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Is that a prom picture? It's really impressive, actually. I don't know who did this. What photoshopping was that? I don't know. I mean, it's re- if I didn't know it was real, I think I'd met Ruth Buzzy. You should send it to, like, the Kennewick Google. <laughs> under whatever it became of. <laughs> send it to the, the Kennewick Hedda Hopper. Yes. All right, here's Tim Riley with your top five. Well, from time to time, we look into the universe that might have been, things that almost came to pass, alternate realities we might have almost experienced. 
Join us now as we count down the top five songs. They were almost the Rick Emerson Show opening theme. These are the top five oh. songs almost the uh, almost used as the Rick Emerson opening show theme instead of uh, Dream Theater, Pull Me Under, which is what we use now. Honorable mention, Nine Inch Nails with Heresy. So this gives me a really unpleasant flashback because this was actually the opening theme to my syndicated I show. I was just going to say, this sounds like syndicated radio. I swear to God. This totally was the opening to the syndicated show. Literally, this is what I used. I don't think I listened. Uh, no wow. one listened to it, Tim. No one anywhere. <laughs> I was working the building. If I, I if, was your news fan in the same building. If I could have somehow done the show without listening to it, I would have made it so. So this is, let me just start that again. So this is a really, and you're right, it sounds like a, a syndicated show. It and it was, you know what, it is, that right there, not to just go on and on and on with my tedious self-analysis about the, the syndicated program I did, the, that was the whole thing right there, is that whole thing about forgetting what made you successful and losing your roots and so forth. It's that, that's it in a nutshell. Oh, that, does it make you feel icky? Yeah, that I'd use, and I'd used that dream theater for five or six years already at that point. I mean, the dream theater had been, and I'd used it in Portland for like a year and a half. And then when I was syndicated, I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to start clean. And, like, no one wanted me to start from scratch. Everybody wanted me to do a version of the show I was already doing, which is what I should have done. But instead, I wanted to have the edgy, like, you know, from Portland, Oregon. Oh, man, I can hear the big voiceover. This is the Rick Emerson radio program. It was like a bad Jim Rome sort of, you're in the jungle. It was terrible. So this gives me a whole, I mean, I feel really icky when I, I, when I, when I, when I play this record now, which is the Downward Spiral, which is one of the best albums of all time. I usually have to skip this song. I, I just hearing the song just gives me all kinds of horrible flashbacks. Yeah. I'm so sorry. All right, these are the top five songs that almost became the opening theme to the Rick Emerson show. Number five, Motorhead, Nightmare of the Dreamtime. Here's the thing about this song before I play it. This, I was going through like an edgy sort of, this is like in 94 when I was in Washington State. That's, by the way, when I was using, when I was going through this whole deciding process, because I used, started using Dream Theater in 1994. So all of these songs are what I weighed in 1994 when I was trying to find a song. And I was still in, like, my angry young metal dude phase when I was trying to be all, like, creepy and, you know, like, sort of, you know, like, he's, he's, he's a little edgy. You don't know what he's going to do. He's, he's all, you know, he's out there pushing the limits. So that's why I decided I would use this. I love Motorhead. But this is the worst idea ever. Listen to this. This is the, uh... <laughs> right here, it's all because of this guitar riff that I thought would make me look like a badass. Yeah, this is the Rick Emerson show. Oh. Can't you see me with, like, a big, dumb voice, guy? No, I totally can. You feel, like, long hair and... Call now! It's the worst song. I mean, I love Motorhead, but it's not a good song. When he's off the air, so are you. <laughs> Let's hear the beginning one more time. Yeah, see... Because I was worst thing ever. Because I wanted to look crazy. It almost like, looks like vomiting. You never, you, yeah. you never know what's gonna happen when you tune into the Rick Emerson show. He's just that it's out of like control. Music. <laughs> the unexpected. <laughs> He's gonna bore you. Tedious rock. Jesus. All right. You can see why I didn't pick any of these songs. These, <laughs> oh, you can't even last for more than like two. Seconds. I can't because they're just bad. Most of these. These are the top five songs that we almost use. Uh, almost uses the opening theme to the Rick Emerson show. Tim, number four, Motorhead. You better run. Here's more a cliche. Here he comes. More, more, more cliched white guy choices for a show opening. Another Motorhead. Another Motorhead song. I mean, I love Motorhead, and I actually do love this song. But this is still more of that like dumb, like Jim Rome posturing. Listen up. You know, this is oh the, my God. the sound of a guy who believes himself to be a badass. By which I don't mean Lemmy. I'm talking about me. I'm tired of the road. Yeah. 
I mean, the song itself is great because it's Lemmy and it's Motorhead. And I mean, Lemmy can sort of pull this off because he is a badass, but that's the thing. He's Lemmy, and I'm Rick Emerson. <laughs> Lemmy can do this and make it work. I cannot do this and make it work. I sound like a tool when I do this. Uh, this is off the March or Die album, I think. Great song. Works for him. That worked for me. Jesus. Number three. <laughs> These are the top five songs that almost became the Rick Emerson show open. Guns N' Roses, Rocket Queen. See, this I almost, this could almost still work. The, the next couple could almost still work. This is the uh, final track on Appetite for Destruction. Nothing has the momentum of Dream Theater, though. No, and the thing with these songs is, except for the number one, which I stand by, the thing about these songs is they all sound a little bit too much like edgy, angry guy talk. You know, and I can't, I hate to keep going to Jim Rome because it sounds like I'm picking a Jim Rome, but then I mean, come on. Uh,. It, they all sound like a guy. We hate everyone. These that scene, but they all sound like Max 910 shows. Uh, and I love Guns N' Roses. I love this song. I, I really do love most of the songs on this list. But they all sound like a guy who desperately wants to be perceived as being a badass. Hitting the post. Great song. Though. I concur. That's exactly. It would have defeated the purpose. Yeah, they all sound. And, and I mean, I'm just a tard. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. I am not a badass in any way. But the, they all sound like guys who want to sound kind of threatening and sort of dangerous. And that's just not the show. And I kind of pose well, to that. And like playing somebody else's music to represent that never yeah. works. It's like, listen to my edgy song. I'm edgy because I'm standing next to something that's edgy. <laughs> all right. These are the top five songs that almost became the show open. Number two, Guns N' Roses, Mrs. Brownstone. Oh, I can see this. I can totally see this. Yeah. See, this I think would almost work. Yeah. God, what a great song. Well, because they maybe sound a little dated, but no, we play Dream Theater. You know what? Dream Theater is is not as old as, but I mean, but I, it sounds dated only because you know when it came out. I mean, it's still, and it's not like I cling to everything from my childhood because there's a lot of stuff from my adolescence that's crap. Um, you know, this is still really good, though, especially that opening, you know. I mean, it's still just... I was listening to this this morning, actually, as I was putting together this list. And this is still such a great song. It's still such a great album. I mean, this really is the sort of... This is the back in black of my generation. God, it's just... It's an unbelievably good record, even to this day. I mean, you get an album like this, I would say once a decade, you get a rock album like this. And I mean, in the 80s, it was back in black. You know, or in, you know, 1979, anyway, back in black. In the 80s, it was Appetite for Destruction. And then, you know, in the 90s, it was either Nevermind or the Black Album, depending on how you look at it. All right, top five songs which almost became the Rick Emerson Show opening theme. Tim Riley? Number one, Pink Floyd, Run Like Hell. Yes, 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 and yes. I would be then doing that, like changing it to that right now. You know what? If I could find a way to loop it, but I was never able to find a way to loop it, even on Pro Tools. Bye, Tim. <laughs> oh, Tim's gone. See, how great is this? Oh, preaching to the choir. I might try my hand at this tonight, actually, just because I... I mean, and I'm no slouch at digital editing. I haven't tried it, though, since I picked Dream Theater. So maybe I could do it now. Maybe I've gotten better at it. Man, I was eating breakfast at the Cricket uh, Cafe this weekend, and this song came on. It just made the whole experience even that much greater. See, and again, this is sort of like Guns N' Roses to me. And I guess it's dated because you know that it came out... You know, this is 30 years old, almost. But it, it, it sounds... 
It sounds like it's from that era without sounding dated in a bad sense, I think. Yeah, if I could find a way to sort of properly loop that, if I, let me put it this way. If in 1994, which is when I was picking a show opener, if I could have found a way, and I spent two or three days trying to get that to loop correctly, and I never could. Well, you're pretty, you're like the master at looping, too, so if you couldn't get yeah. it, it must be pretty. I mean, I might try it again tonight. Maybe I've gotten better at technology as advanced, but if I could have made a good loop out of that, that would be, we'd still be using it. If I could have made that work, we could have, we would have made that the well, show that's the opener. thing, that's the good thing about that song and then about Dream Theater, because they both are like big momentum builders. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can totally feel it in the music. Yeah, and they have, and they just have an energy that is sort of. Mm. And you know what? It's how great is that? I'm gonna go home and listen to Pink Floyd all afternoon. And of course, even then, I was thinking like someday when I do my syndicated show, I want a badass opening theme for me. And this is sort of see. And the great thing about this song is it is kind of badass in its own way without trying to just tiresomely nail the point home like all of the other ones were. You know, like the gun, like the the, the the nine inch nails thing in the Motorhead. It's like it's just trying too hard to look edgy. Whereas this is simply just cool. I mean, it really is just it's a classic song in every way. Wow. All right, back after this. It's the Recovers the Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Join us again tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin and quite possibly Peter Carlin again. No one can really say. Uh, all right. How long do we have here? Uh, about three minutes. A little over uh, three. Well, we have some phone calls. If you'd like to uh, try to sneak on before the end of the program, now is your chance. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us on the air uh, for the end of the uh, program, like us coming up at 3. Uh, Michael Maris Show. What the hell did my Dexter music go? I'm going to like make that up. I remember, Rick, today... Yes. Go against your instincts, and when you think you should take one more call, we're not going to take it. So I should do the Costanza. Yes. When I think I should keep taking calls, that's when I should stop taking calls. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all right. Let's see. We'll start here. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How are you? What's up, sir? Uh, I was wondering, do you have one of those turntables with a USB port? Uh, I don't. I saw one of the sharper image that they're cl- they're going at a business sale that I went to a while back, but I do not. No. Um, because I have a. Uh... Uh, meth watch song for you but I only have it on album it's called Speed Freak and it's by a local band well it's by Napalm Beach it's d- done by a site just in there the Sam Henry that plays with Morgan Grace is on drums well I'll tell you this um, if you would entrust the uh, vinyl uh, to me for a day or so I don't have a turntable hooked to the USB but I do have my turntable patched directly into my computer at home because I'm a nerd okay. and then also I know your your love of the serial killer yes uh, my brother's band, well, he's not in it, but Dead Moon, they have a song called 213 that's about uh, Jeffrey, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. And uh, oh, do you have that? I was gonna I, pr- I don't, but I would love to hear that. I'll bring that in for you, too. Thank I'll you, sir. those two albums off for you. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Tomorrow. Bye. Thank Bye. You. Have a good day. Bye. Why is it 213? Is that the date? Uh, I think 213 is his apartment number. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hi, Rick. My name is Ken. How are you? What's up, sir? Hey, just spent two months in California, back in town today, just got in the car at the airport, and it's so nice to hear something from Portland again. California just sucks. Thank you, my friend. Glad you're back here. Glad you arrived safely, sir. Thank you, Rick. Keep it going. Thank Thanks. you, sir. Uh, taking random calls till the end of the program. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's uh, up? 
Love your show. Thank you. Hey, I'm back from Hawaii. I was there last week, and you know what I paid for gas on the island of Molokai? Wait, hold on. This is a gallon of regular, you know, regular unleaded gas? Oh, yeah. $6.42. Are you kidding me? See, wow. I thought it was going to be a lot lower. I thought you were going to say it's because it's an island. You don't have to go anywhere. It's like $2. No, that island's kind of an isolated island. Jesus. Though, but it's $6.42. That's crazy. But you can't. You, you can drive. You can drive on that island probably for that. Uh, you know, for full time. Well, that's a month. fair point. People say that it's so much more in Britain, but again, in Britain, it's like yeah, the driving distances are so much less. Yeah. All right. So thank when you. you. Fill up tonight. You'll be okay. At least I'm not a Hawaiian. Bye. Aloha. All right. Thank you. All right. Should I take one? Yes. Right. Just take one more call because okay. we, can, we have time for two. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Okay. So I have time for two. I'll only take one. You are the last call of the day. Hello. Is it me? Yeah. Yes, it is. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe I managed to be the last call of the day. Here you are. No pressure. Oh, Don't God. suck. Well, I I may have missed it, but did you guys give away the Muppets DVD already? Uh, I believe we did. Richard, did we uh, give away the Muppet DVD to somebody? I think we. I think when we say we give a random, uh, you know, one random caller today will win a copy of, in this case, the third season of The Muppet Show. I don't think we say it on the air to sort of preserve the randomness of it, but, yeah, I do believe that was given away early on. Oh, bummer. That's why I was calling. It's like I hadn't heard anybody win it yet, so I was like, well, you know, maybe you know what? Um, one last track. You know what? Tomorrow we will be giving away another copy of The Muppet Show third season on DVD, so uh, be listening again tomorrow, my friend. Well, that's cool. I love it. All I right. love Muppets, and I love your show. Excellent. Have a great day. Thank you. There you go. What See? are you I told you. No, you were totally go right. I'm going to end on that call. Well done. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley and the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, director of engineering Brian Jones, uh, the webmistress is Richard from upstairs, and of course CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan. Don't f with me, Reynolds. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondents uh, Dick Giuliano, Lisa Desjardins, as well as um, uh, Dale Robinson uh, from G4 and uh, Big Jim uh, from Rock 101 KUFO about the vomit guy thing. Is that it? I think so. All right, we're done. See you all tomorrow. 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. I'm huge. Bye now.